Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, what a chicken. Double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, let's get going on this Friday. Yeah, the weather sucks, but whatever. It's still cool as we end of the week, get into the weekend, a fantastic sports weekend. And you know what? We are going to put to bed. This time next week, hopefully I'll be talking to whomever the Colts end up drafting. But we will officially put to bed all of this draft conversation. Here, I'm kind of caught between. As the song goes, that bubblegum classic from the late Jerry Rafferty, Steelers Wheel in 1973, I'm kind of stuck in the middle a little bit right now, and here's how. I know that you guys want to hear it. I know you guys want to talk about it. I know you guys have opinions on it. Meanwhile, I also understand that you guys are kind of sick and tired of it a little bit. And I don't blame you. I don't. Can you imagine you know, me sitting here as well? I try my damnedest not to rehash the same old stuff, but it still oftentimes turns out to be very similar to the same old stuff. Yeah, this time next week, we'll make that transition to, hey, I wonder what they're going to do to, hey, look what they did, and then it will be on. Then it will be on. So Chris Ballard met with the media a little bit earlier today. Eddie Garrison's in here. I didn't ask you this. I probably should have, Eddie. Is there anything in particular that was taped that is interesting? I'm, I, I watched it. It just kind of felt to me like... It was the same old stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The same old stuff with Chris Ballard today. Now, some of the quotes, I mean, if you guys want to hear it, I'm not big on playing back sound in the afternoon because normally it's 24 hours old, and I sure as hell know you don't want to hear that. But this is a bit different because Ballard did meet with the media at noon earlier today. I can give you some quotes, though. Uh, here's one. According to our friend Zach Kiefer of The Athletic from Chris Ballard, quote, there's a misconception out there that we have targeted one player. I'm not sure that's accurate. I always love to read the reports. First of all, you need to say, I always love to hear the reports. Hear, not read. Hear. Hear the reports that the Colts love this guy or this guy. Well, that didn't come from me. 
They don't know, end quote. He's absolutely right about that. They don't know. Nobody knows. Like, I have told you this, and I have tried to be, and I'm always going to be. I've never really felt the need to consistently tell you, well, you know you're going to get the truth for me, or I'm always honest with you, because that's kind of the gig here. That is what you should expect. You shouldn't expect me to come down for three hours and sit down here and just start throwing BS at you. Be easy enough to do. Throw BS at you, you know, shake my fist, get mad about everything, act like that absolutely everything in the world that's going down makes me mad. I'm pissed off. Everybody just, I'm just not that way. I don't wake up every morning after three and a half hours of deep sleep, thanks to Aurora Sleep Clinic. I don't wake up every morning feeling the need that I got to be pissed about something. I just don't. So I never really had to tell you that. I give you educated guesses regarding where I believe that they're going to go from intel that I do get. I don't play around with that stuff. I was kind of messing around a little bit earlier inside the lounge. That's not via YouTube Live, but I, I like to get in there. It's like warming up, like warming up the band a little bit, right? I get in inside that lounge during the midday show and start jacking around with everybody in there and having some fun. And I'm sitting down on five. I actually did a an interview a little bit earlier, and hopefully we can we'll either find it to air it here, or certainly we will on our YouTube page. Or hell, I don't know, somewhere, social media-wise, I had the great fortune of talking to George Foreman for the better part of 15 minutes earlier today, and it was outstanding. So much history there, and so much history that's a precursor to me, either A, being around, or B, really understanding anything. I mean, that, that was... A golden era, and I'm talking about the era in which he was in the 68 Olympics, obviously, and then uh, became heavyweight champion of the world. He fought Joe Frazier, Ali. He was in the ring during that golden era of boxing, and then he stepped away, and he was gone, and I mean completely out of it for 10 years, and then felt the need to get back. Then he got back. And became great again. I mean, it is a hellaciously incredible story. We talk all the time about Tom Brady. This is something that I asked him. I said, Tom Brady, you know, 40 plus years old. How can he do it? Oh, my goodness. He's so old and he was playing. And George Foreman did that long before Tom Brady. And it was like getting punched in the grill often. But it was just kind of an honor to sit there and talk with him. We did this via via Zoom, and I was doing it downstairs on 5 while I was going back and forth, as I mentioned earlier, kind of jacking around with the uh, guys and, and Gritty and the gang over on uh, YouTube Live, who hopefully are in there right now inside the lounge, kind of warming them up a little bit, having some fun with them. I think everybody needs to have a little bit of fun sometimes. I did ask George Foreman about the Foreman grill. <laughs> Do you have a Foreman grill, Eddie? Your parents have a Foreman grill? I don't think so. You may, may be have. the only household in America that has never had a Foreman grill then. Well. Because we've had like three. They could have before my recollection of knowing what kind of grill they have. Right. 
Well, this is just a little thing. It's evolved over the years, over the decades, but it's still basically the same thing. And, and what it was supposed to do, and, and I don't know if anybody else is in the similar category, back in the 1990s, if it said fat-free or low-fat, I ate the absolute hell out of it. I drank the absolute hell out of it. Like, I, I probably single-handedly kept afloat the Keebler Snackwells market. Hey, this is low-fat. Low-fat chocolate chip cookies. Well, hey, where did I sign up? Give me like nine boxes. <laughs> wait a minute. Chocolate chip, devil's food, vanilla cream. Wait a minute. Low-fat? Kind of like that episode of Seinfeld with the low-fat yogurt. Then you realize that, yeah, not so much here. In the 90s, I ate nothing but carbs. Now, obviously, unlike right now, my my metabolism right now is, is like some old woman churning butter. It's like, eh, 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 you know what I mean? Not going quickly. I guess it was going faster then, but I remember then it was like, hey, you know what? It's really good for you. Eat a lot of pasta and a lot of rice, and it's low in fat. Well, wait a minute. What's happening here then? I'm doing what you're telling me. My mom is listening, and she says, yes, we had a foreman grill. There you go. See, every household in America. Thank you, Eddie Garrison's mom. Every household in America had a foreman grill. That was a major part of the George Foreman phenomenon because he he was such an incredible pitch man on everything. At that time, if you remember, he was a pitch man for everything. He was doing HBO boxing, and that's really back when we really paid attention to boxing. Still, I mean, it was still fading a little bit, but you paid attention. You know, you watch boxing matches. Jim Lampley would have the call, and then George Foreman would be there too. But he wanted something that was his own, and they developed a prototype of the Foreman Grill and told him about it, went off and running, and uh, made him a... And I'm thinking, it was like me and bottled water. There was nothing as easy to me growing up in the country, and we lived by like 19 springs, freshwater, spring water. I mean, to me, I just used to like bend down in the ground and drink it out of the ground. It came out of the ground. Fresh spring water out of the ground. God's country. And I should have been putting that in plastic bottles long ago. I just thought back in 1987, there's no way in the world any clown's going to go buy water for $1.50 a bottle when you can just get it for free out of the tap. Clearly, I was wrong. But now Foreman was ahead of it, and he just spanned so many different decades and multiple generations. Uh, His film comes out, I believe, April the 28th. It is called Big George Foreman. And I'll get that interview to you coming up, uh, hopefully at least by Monday. Maybe I'll drop it if they get it to me. It actually, it was done. He was in Hollywood, and then they're going to send it back to me uh, via Zoom. But it was really cool. And a shout-out to Chris Hagen, who was the one that set that up. I had a great time doing it because he was somebody that that really spans my existence as a sports fan and not exactly a huge boxing fan. But when you get to that level with names like that, you pay attention. Everybody did. So I'll get that to you, that conversation, uh, whenever I can. But we were talking inside the lounge. That's where the basis of this conversation began. Inside the lounge, kind of warming everybody up a little bit. And, 
you know, it's it's funny. You get to the point now, as I mentioned yesterday, where all this drafting quarterback conversation turns into you know stuff about tests and you know leadership and coachability. And while all that I'm sure is vitally important, I don't give a crap. I don't. I just want to. I know this sounds simple. And, you know, the football gurus out there are going to say, well, you're just not football savvy and good. I just want to go on Sunday and watch a quarterback that can throw it further than 30 yards without it fluttering like somebody just shot it out of the air. Or when the offensive line breaks down that can get away from the towel boy that's trying to track him down. That's what I want to see. So I guess I haven't been that engaged, that worried about whether or not C.J. Stroud was coachable at Ohio State. Make him coachable when you get him here. Oh, well, Will Levis is too cocky. Well, I hope so. I hope he's good enough to be cocky. Like everybody in the world that I'd ever known on any level that was any good at something had a bit of cockiness in them. Now, maybe sometimes you wanted to punch him in the face. But you do have to say, most of the time, they were consistently good at what they did. Otherwise, they wouldn't be cocky. And then you get in a whole gray area there. If you're cocky without being able to back it up, that makes you douchey. And that's just something you don't probably recognize until somebody like me or you tells you. I don't mind cocky. Cocky's good. Like, all this stuff, I, I just, like, passing down the field, being on target, being able to grow with a team that needs you for a long period of time, you know, giving a team some hope in an AFC where you look around and all these good teams are stacked with quarterbacks, young, long-term quarterbacks. Somebody that you believe ultimately can break through. Maybe they can't right now. Certainly, they're not a finished product right now. But at some point, they can. So, yeah, the the coachability, the leadership stuff, teach that. One of the big reasons why Shane Steichen's brought in here to be the head coach involves just that. Look what he has done with previous quarterbacks. Really hasn't mattered regarding the skill set. Look what he has done with previous quarterbacks. Yeah, do that. Do that. Teach your next quarterback the leadership qualities that you want him to have on the field, off the field, all that stuff. All that stuff you can worry about later. I'm just worrying about arm strength, mobility, ball placement, that. That's what I'm worried about. It's like everybody worrying about, take it easy, Todd, Bryce Young's height or whatever. (laughs) Whatever. Don't worry about it. Let him get out there and throw the football around. Let him get out there and complete passes. Let him get out there and make, again, reportedly Carolina, if indeed that's the direction they're going to go, make them better at that position. And then chasing Sam Darnold or chasing Baker Mayfield or chasing P.J. Walker, that's what you're looking for. But getting back to that Ballard quote that Zach Kiefer had on his Twitter handle a little bit earlier today, there's no doubt nothing is coming out of there. They have that thing locked up absolutely tight. But again, 
in terms of me, that doesn't mean that you can't get a nugget previous to all this. Now, he's right about that. He should be right about that. This is the nature of his game. He, he has to be right about that. And, and the quote really is, it's, hey, it's telling you not to listen to a degree to all that noise, but it's also utilized in this fashion. He does not have a lot to tell you right now. In fact, he has zero to tell you. But the NFL, they make their guys get trotted up and they have to answer questions from the media that they are not in any way, shape, or form prepared or want to answer at this time. So what that was, that was a Ballard misdirection. Oh, well, you're talking about the draft. I hear everybody talking about there. Read, he said read, which next time, say, listen or hear. All right, just humor me on this a little bit. I always love to read. How about you always love to hear? I always love driving home and hearing some clown here talk about what he thinks he knows. That's what I want. But he's got to stand up there for a while to answer questions. And there is just not a lot to say, not a lot to talk about. So that's the type of stuff you're going to get. Quote, I think you all feel the pressure more than I do sometimes. Well, clearly we don't. Because we don't have that type of pressure. Like, my pressure is this. Oh, if they don't end up drafting Will Levis, as I heard, you know, back during the season a year ago that they liked, well, then so be it. We'll move on. It's a different type of pressure with Chris. And I know that right now there is not the pressure that most around here believe it to be. Somebody had mentioned to me a little bit earlier that that he looks like he's incredibly comfortable. It's because he is incredibly comfortable. It's because he is not going anywhere. He is going to have a three-year window. This is just me. He's going to have a three-year window to get this thing rolling. In football terms, as a general manager, that is comfort. Going 4-12-1 in year six, that's uncomfortable. But getting a new head coach getting a new lease on your general manager status here in Indy after a lot of us, certainly me, had questioned that and getting that lease from the owner, there's a reason you should feel comfortable. And I hope that there's a reason that you feel comfortable that you always say you know how the draft board is going. That's the first thing anybody ever says in any NFL organization. Oh, were you surprised when that guy was on the board? Uh, yeah, no, we had our draft board going that way. Yeah, we had 17 first-round grades, and we knew it was going to go that whatever. So if you always tell us that you know what's going to happen, I'm assuming you pretty much know what's going to happen right here. Being at the top, regardless of all these different scenarios that others are talking about. So there is a reason to feel comfortable. You guys might not like that reason. Maybe I didn't like initially that reason either. Nothing we can do about it. Nothing you're going to do about it. Jim Irsay has put the trust into Chris Ballard to get this right. And if you want to call it a reboot of sorts, you absolutely can. We had DeForest Buckner on the show yesterday. He did not want to talk about rebuild. Did not want to hear the word rebuild. We'll say reboot then. Because not just the general manager, this is a reboot on this team. 
that's what he has. That's what they are going through. And I wouldn't expect him to want to hear that as a veteran. I wouldn't expect the incoming first-time head coach to want to hear that coming in. But that's exactly what it is. So there is a reason why that he does feel incredibly comfortable. Uh, Kiefer questioned, do you have any idea how the first three picks will go? Ballard answer, no, no idea. I don't think anybody does. I always think that you don't you don't go completely blind into that. You just you don't. In my theory, things could happen. I do understand that, just like in anything else, but you don't go into that blind. Ballard on the Colts draft board, six days ahead of the first round. Quote, we're not done yet. Cement's not dry yet. Again, and a great job by Zach for documenting what was said, but this is what happens when all of these general managers are forced in front of the media outlets that cover them and are asked questions that they simply cannot answer. And full disclosure, as a fan, you wouldn't want him answering it. You wouldn't want him telling the truth right now. Oh, I can't believe Ballard lied. I can't believe somebody good. You have to make sure you protect your position. And like him or not, that's exactly what he's doing right now. But you're kind of forced into answering these questions. And again, you have to spend a little bit of time up there. And he's always been good at creating that conversation. There can be a lot said without answering literally anything. That is an art of conversation. Most of these guys do that incredibly well. That is part of the job criteria. What is there to answer? That is true. But yeah, this time next week, we will have an answer, and then we will begin our overzealous analyzation of what takes place in round number one, and I cannot wait for that. Bob Kravitz of The Athletic is going to drop by coming up at the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get back to what Chris had to say today, as I mentioned at the outset, and the week leading up to that NFL draft, which is all so important. Always keep that in mind, too. This is ultra important. And I saw, again, Chris say earlier today that it seems like that, you know, you guys, meaning us, you know, we're under more pressure than he is. Um, He's comfortable but the pressure is there to get this thing going and get this thing right. He's comfortable, but there's always going to be pressure there. And the pressure is not on us. You may, and you do a good job of it, you may hold me accountable. See, they didn't like Levis all along. That was just a smokescreen. You were being sandbagged, whatever. Better than teabag. Sandbagged, that's what I was. We'll get to the teabag last night, right? You had a couple of different situations that kind of was like that in the NBA. Thank you very much. Now, maybe they don't like C.J. Stroud. Maybe they have zero intention on C.J. Stroud. But certainly, there's comfort, but there's also pressure because this is the long-term future. This is not like taking some dude out of Washington in round number four. This is get somebody and roll with somebody and breathe some life 
inject some energy into a fan base that does not have a lot of it right now in terms of the product on the field. All right, we can hit that if you like at 239-1070. In fact, I would be overjoyed if you guys would want to call in and have an opinion on that or anything else. I did mention I love the NBA postseason, and I love basketball. You know that. But I also like some of the extracurricular stuff that goes on in basketball. The one thing I don't like um, – there's really never a reason. I, Eddie was joking about this inside uh, the uh, YouTube chat on the Midday Show a little bit earlier. Um, uh, the NBA is protecting the jewels. Uh, you can do whatever you want, <laughs> do whatever you want if you're Joel Embiid, and it looked like he was in the general vicinity of Claxton's junk, right, with that kick. But there's no doubt that the disciplinary factors that go on and the officiating is most of the time all over the board. Now, I feel pretty comfortable in telling you that because I've talked about this for a number of years, but I've also been honest with you about it. I think it makes it more interesting to me. I know that everybody out there wants the perfect call. Everybody out there, because we got technology and you can go to replay and utilize that. We get all these different angles and we can see, I mean, right up to that tenth of a second, we can see what's going on there. You know, I like to make fun of them. There's no doubt about that. That's part of the aspects that I so much love about the NBA postseason. I love the animosity that can be drawn up between teams and individuals that normally is not there during a long regular season. I love the fact that they play at this level because so much is on the line. I love when they go over that line. You know, people like me will sit here and say that they're ultra competitive. Okay. You know, maybe it's just, they felt like being a jackass at that moment, whatever. I just, I enjoy that. It's part of it to me. Watching the NBA postseason had always included that element. And I don't ever want that to go away. I don't want anybody to get hit with a chair like it's WWE or going into the stands or any of that type of jackassery. But all the other stuff, it is just, to me, the NBA postseason. Now, you can stay away from the sack. And the NBA has made that perfectly clear. Stay away from that. But... This is all a part of what is a great conversation. Just beyond the game. You get bored, don't you, with the game? I know you do. Sometimes. It's beyond the game. I enjoy a great deal. I love last night watching the Nets and the Sixers. I'm telling you, Joe, Joel Embiid is, he might be the largest, and I mean in terms of literal largeness, the largest flopper in the history of any sport. They made note of that last night. It was like eight or nine times. He's on the floor. What is he, seven feet and 290, Eddie? What is Joel Embiid? That's probably about right, if I had to guess. Just ridiculously athletic, an incredible player. But my man is legit a flopper. He gets touched by anything, and he is on the floor. 
And much like you see oftentimes in a soccer match, he's going to lay there and grab at his leg and grab at his ankle, and he's going to get up, and it looks like he just got hit by a car. And then again, literally a minute and a half later, he's sprinting down the floor and making a huge block or going to the basket off a Euro step for somebody that big, which is incredible. The largest flopper of all time. Yeah, it was enjoyable last night, though. Uh, Nets down 0-3 now, 102-97. The Sixers over the Nets. Uh, The Kings lose for the first time in that series. No Draymond Green. And Golden State gets 36 from Steph Curry, 114-97. 2-1, best of seven. San Fran for game number four. Coming up, is that tomorrow night, I would imagine, on ABC? And the Suns, how about the Clippers, too? Norman Powell goes off for the Clippers. Clippers without Paul George. Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. Devin Booker has 45. Norman Powell, 42. Suns now up 2-1 to one in that best of seven series in the first round. 129-124 last night over the L.A. Clippers. What do we got tonight? Celtics and Hawks. That's been boring. Cavs and Knicks has been legit. It's all the boring games. I mean, like, you can yeah. enjoy Cavs and Knicks, but, I mean, the product is just so boring because it's so slow. I, I can't stand Rudy Gobert. I just, I mean, I can't stand Embiid either, but I just, I can't stand Rudy Gobert. I don't want to see Rudy Gobert anymore, so I wish Denver would hustle up and just exit them from the postseason. Timberwolves bore me. The Hawks bore me, too. I like watching the Celtics play, but the Hawks bore me. Cavs and Knicks have been legit, though. That's an 8.30 tip later on tonight. So that's from the NBA, some Major League Baseball coming up as well. A lot of conversation regarding the NFL. Hey, Chris Byers, by the way, a shout-out to the coach is back at Warren Central. Bob Lovell is going to join me coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about that. We had remarked in previous shows about how large the coaching vacancies were in high school boys basketball after the season was complete. And there was one big time job that was filled by somebody that knows that big time job very well. Bob Lovell's going to join us. We'll talk about that. Wells is back in the four o'clock hour. That's Mike Wells from ESPN radio. As previously mentioned, Bob Kravitz is going to drop in coming up in the five o'clock hour. Quick shout out to everybody yesterday that came out. Tavern Tour Stop, Main Event, and Fishers. It was an outstanding time. Outstanding. Brent Halverson, I know his wife Lisa had surgery today. Uh, Shout out to Lisa and Brent today. With uh, going through that, Brent's always awesome, our betting analyst. And then all of you that showed up out there yesterday, it was a spectacular time. Plus, before I had a break, I want to, and I know I'm a little bit over here, but what's new? Uh, if you can see this via YouTube Live, right? So if you were listening a couple of days ago, I had <laughs> Pacers general manager Chad Buchanan on, and I had been loaded with this question for weeks. I wanted to know, because I felt vindicated. They go to that offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton last July. Ayton signs it. You had about two hours, maybe less. To talk about it, it was a big deal, and then Phoenix matched it, and that was all over. But still, you know, that little bubble of, wow, look what they did, was floating over this team at the start of the season, and in particular, Miles Turner. And being somebody that has supported 33 as much as I have in the past and feel vindicated with the way that he played this past season, 
I felt compelled to ask Chad Buchanan about, hey, how you feel about that? Are you glad that Phoenix matched that? And, you know, obviously he got into that answer. And Chad, Chad today sent me a Miles Turner jersey. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to laugh about that. That's like, that is my ultimate vindication right there is Chad Buchanan sending me a Miles Turner jersey. When I asked that question, that is funny. See, sometimes, like I mentioned, you got to have fun. There's no doubt we can be hardcore with questions. There can be animosity built, but you have to have a level of fun. And the fact that the Pacers get it, I do appreciate that a great deal. That made, when I got that out of the package, I went, oh, that's hilarious. I'd been loaded up to ask that question. And I mean firmly asked that question. Hey, how does it feel? I feel really good right now. I've supported this guy, and I knew when he got a guard in here that's a willing elite level willing or willing elite level passer like Tyrese Halliburton that things were going to change. When it was one big here, things were going to change, and it clearly did. But uh, thank you to Chad Buchanan and the Pacers for that. Not only is that really cool, but that made me and others in this office laugh a great deal. It's a job well done. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I'll log on and get back with you guys coming up in a minute. HD Radio, we've got the stream, they got the app, we've got In for James, Eddie Garrison. we got Eddie Garrison's mom listening with her foreman grill, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Coming up, our conversation. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm already going to have to get in on these Pearl Jam tickets, too. I'm assuming there's going to be more interest in that ticket coming up for that show in September than tickets available, right? I sent out a tweet yesterday asking for your favorite Pearl Jam song. Of course, their concert coming up at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center is set for September. They rarely get here. And for whatever reason this time, I'm going to give it up to to Kyle and, and Jimmy and everybody at Live Nation for securing Pearl Jam. I'm going to give them every ounce of credit in the world. But certainly there are going to be more interest in those tickets than probably tickets available. That's going to be a tough one right there. No doubt. John McClain writes this. Can you give me and Mrs. McClain a shout out for our 10 year anniversary today? John, I feel bad because normally when I get an anniversary shout out request, I'll come back with Little River Band, Happy Anniversary or Anniversary by Tony, Tony, Tony. Something that's a little bit more appropriate this time. This time I fumbled the ball a little bit. My bad. But yes, John McClain, Mrs. McClain. Happy 10th anniversary. Fantastic listener and participant inside the lounge via YouTube Live, John McClain and Mrs. McClain. John McClain, by the way, has got a great name considering one of the greatest films of all time. Bruce Willis, the star as John McClain in Die Hard. A happy 10th anniversary, McClain's. And John Martin, you're right. I'll get to what John's right about coming up on the other side. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. You can catch him every Friday and Saturday. Indiana Sports Talk throughout the network Indiana-affiliated stations in the state of Indiana. He's got a lot to talk about coming up this weekend. Bob Lovell, his Friday routine, joining us and brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Car X locations. CarX.com today. Bob, how are you? 
I'm great, John. Thanks for having me. Are you surprised at all that Chris Byers did that reboot of sorts out at Warren Central a day ago? Nothing surprises me, John. Okay. <laughs> Are we, we're past we're past any surprising stage for Bob Lowe. No, I, I mean, no, I was I was surprised. I know that. I mean, it's obviously uh, well documented that he had a great run at Warren Central. Um, and, and I don't, you know, even when you win a championship like that, uh, and, and you have a team like that that goes down as one of the greatest of all time, uh, it, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to find that next challenge. And I think Chris was looking for that at Franklin Central. And, um, you know, sometimes fate intervenes and, and you get opportunities to to do something and go back. It's hard to go back. I think a lot of people understand that, but um, he's won every bear everywhere he's been. So I was, I was surprised, uh, but very happy for him. This is going to sound not right out of me. Um, and again, okay, there's, go ahead and ask yeah, anyway, and I'll, I'll give you a not right answer. <laughs> well, How's that? Listen, there are, are good gigs, right? There are good gigs um, in high school basketball, right? but there are right. also, better gigs and i'm talking about in terms of winability and with all respect to franklin central that in basketball is just going to be different i mean it's the same i'm assuming that mark james found out the same thing right at in perry meridian in perry township it's not like it's going in that direction right now and there may be a job out there for him someplace else but again for chris byers when when you get a little bit older you start really wanting to see what you can do to close it out, and that is win once again at the highest level. So a maneuver like that makes a great deal of sense to me. Is that how it goes down often? Sometimes, and I think a lot of times there are factors you and I aren't even aware of, like you know, when he left Warren Central, yeah. did he keep a house in the Warren a- area? Did well, how about insurance? How about insurance? Yeah. Something or, like or, insurance plays yeah. a role yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I mean, obviously, you know, when, when, when Mark James left Ben Davis, I mean, it, you know, part of that deal was to help himself out uh, benefit-wise. Right. So, so many things you don't really know, but, but on the surface, yeah, I mean, you have a demonstrated uh, ability to win a state championship at Warren Central. Uh, you know, Franklin Central has has not been at that level. I think Mark James is one of the best coaches to ever coach in our state, and he took them, I think, as far as they could go. And I think Chris uh, is in that same category of, in terms of success as a coach. And so, without knowing more of the particulars, you know, there may be a lot of things that, that we're not aware of uh, relating to family and travel and. And this, that, and the other. And there's so many reasons why jobs are better than other jobs, John. And uh, you have to have everybody on that classic same page to make it work. And so, you know, administration, assistance, yep. uh, distance, travel, a feeling, a relationship, all of it factors in. But uh, it was surprising. But I think everyone will be happy uh, at, at Warren Central. And uh, be curious to see, obviously, now who takes over at uh, at Franklin Central. Uh, you you got it right, though, too. When you're thinking about an administration that you can get along with, and then and I don't know how this works ever consistently, but a school board that you can also get along with that has the best interest of the team right. in winning in right. mind, which is not often the case. I'm going to tell you, if you can find that dynamic anywhere around the state, you jump on that bad boy and take that gig. 
I don't think there's any question. And uh, having never coached at the high school level, I spent my 20-plus year career at the college level. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think I was as adept at uh, institutional politics as I needed to be at my two particular institutions. Uh, if I have regrets in my in my coaching life, it was uh, I needed to be much more politically in tune to what was going on. And I'd say that's incredibly important for you uh, at the high school level. And, and all it, you know how it is, John. All it takes is to get one one parent upset at you because his son or daughter's not playing enough. And it's just one. All it takes is one. And one person uh, can make things happen for you. And I think it's it needs a shame that it happens that way. And uh, so when you're you know when you're on the high school level, yeah, it's incredibly important for you when you're trying to make decisions. And I think the other part of it, too, Johnny, think about it. There are a whole lot of coaches who leave uh, every year in football and basketball in our state. The turnover uh, is uh, unbelievable. And now with, uh, with your, the demands on your schedule in summer as a football coach, as a basketball coach, it is a 12-month-a-year proposition. And everyone you know, and I mean everyone you know, knows better how to do your job than you do. I mean, everybody, your family, your friends, everybody you meet knows more about how to coach basketball than you do, or at least they think they do. And you can never, ever change that. I mean, hell, I do that three hours a day, every day right here. <laughs> and now you know now you know why i never take listener phone calls. <laughs> so Bob, 29 years of yeah. uh we're gonna listen to me not uh, you i do that i do that uh i, I don't do that for, i don't deal with it i, I really do that don't. for three hours every single day monday through friday right here bob levels on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline I, a little bit more seriously right here and i asked this question because i know him very well and I like him a great deal. Um, he has certainly in the past six or so months made some serious mistakes. And I'm talking about the former head coach at Linton for their high school basketball team, Joey Hart, who had a son that's a senior Indiana All-Star that's going to Central Florida. They decided, as I think everybody expected down at Linton, right. not to renew the school board and the administration, his contract there. <laughs> I know for a fact that he he has uh, obviously gotten help, which was was needed uh, right. from friends down there. There has been intervention. You look at his resume. He is. You look at his numbers. He is one of the best coaches. Has been not just in Southern Indiana, but numbers wise throughout the state. Um, what might be the hireability of Joey Hart moving forward right here? coming off the type of end of season he had personally speaking that's a hard that's a hard one to, to answer you know you know that i mean it's a that's a hard one uh i, I think a, a lot of it has to do as most jobs do uh about relationships i think uh he's got to figure out a way to rehab his image uh if that means uh going to another program as an assistant coach uh that's that maybe that's what you do um uh, and if you have someone out there who's in a position of authority who uh, can influence the hire uh, and they go to bat for you, I think that's another possibility. Uh, but, but I think, I think it, it, this is a situation where I think some time has to pass between um, your next job. 
I think you you know you have to take a step back, work on yourself, work on your problems, um, and and come to grips with that um, before you even think about. Uh, I mean, I know he wants to coach. I know uh, that's what happens when you you're a lifer as a coach. It's in your blood, and you think you can't do anything else. My advice, not that anybody cares, is take a step back and really figure out if that's exactly what you want to do. And secondly, if it is, then then you've got to take a long time to rehab the uh, your image because now you've got to convince people why they should look past your past transgressions and hire you to be a leader of young people. Uh, you know, you're supposed to be a role model. And so you've got to give them an explanation as to why they should hazard uh, making a, you as a pick to do that. And so that's a tough, that's an uphill climb. But I think more than anything, work on yourself, uh, do it in private, work away from people, work to rehab your image and rebuild relationships that have literally been detonated by what you've done. And then, um, you know, uh, see if time, in fact, does heal most wounds. He, um, I've known him for a long time and he is a, a, a good guy. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm known him for a long and time. Like, too. Like, a like us guy. all. Really yeah, like us all. You know, you, you have flaws. We bring flaws to the table. Uh, and certainly that's that's something he is he's dealing with right now in moving forward. I just, somebody with, again, the numbers as we have seen over the years right. for him. Right. I just curious if somebody would take a flyer on him after a couple of months uh, of rehab and, uh, you know, cleaning up, getting better. The intervention, right. if somebody might do that, with uh, the numbers and that belief in mind moving forward. Well, I think it's uh, harder to do uh, at the high school level to find someone to give you that opportunity. You know, it's it's well documented, well chronicled. The NBA, uh, NFL, highest level of college football and basketball, they literally don't care about your past transgressions. If you can win, we'll hire you. Okay, I mean that's we all know that and as distasteful as it might be in some of these instances, if you've won a whole lot of games, they're going to, you'll find a way to get a job. I think that's different at the high school level, probably should be at the high school level. Uh, And I I think the biggest problem you have right now is if you're sitting in an interview room and someone asks you with all of your past problems, why should we hire you? Number one, that's a hard question. And number two, you look at him and say, look, we could go out here tomorrow and find 50 other guys who have uh, impressive backgrounds as coaches who don't have the problems that you have. Why shouldn't we hire one of them? So you got a lot of things at play yeah. in this situation. But again, I think it's you know it, it's it, it just happened relatively uh, you know not very long ago, sure. so to speak. I think there's a lot of time that has to go through it. But more than anything, come to grips with the problems you have. Work as hard as you as you can to rebuild the relationships with your family and your community and your friends, then turn to whether or not you want to get back in it and, and try to do that. And along the way, call on those relationships that you have and ask for their advice. I'm like you, John. He's a tremendous basketball coach and a really, really good guy who made a couple of serious mistakes. And so uh, in, in our culture, yeah, we always we like stories of redemption, but we're also not necessarily very quick to give you the opportunities if you if you've caused some problems and you've made mistakes like this. There are some things we'll you know we don't necessarily um, take as seriously as we should as this. And so um, 
take a little, my advice again, take some time, uh, continue to work as hard as you can to make yourself better. It's a Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk tonight, tomorrow night. Network Indiana affiliated stations loaded up with the content without callers every single Friday and Saturday night. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group. It's online. nothing personal. I understand. <laughs> you know that. It's not personal. I want to hear from all of you. It's just that um, there's a long, long story behind it, John. I it get it. Do, you know, back in the day when, when, when we started – I would get phone calls. Like you, I would get phone calls from people who had been at a high school football game or basketball game, went to the local watering hole and got lubricated after the game and called me. And we had a few embarrassing moments with that, so we decided <laughs> we'll, we'll eliminate it. <laughs> well done. My friend will be listening. I appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Right, John, thanks. It's a Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. CarX.com today. Quick one, we'll come back. Mike Wells, Bob Kravitz, still to come on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You're going to eat your fat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. So I saw this. Somebody asked me, JMV, does this change your mind? The S2 Cognition Test results for NFL quarterbacks. Bryce Young, 98%. I don't have really much of an idea what the hell any of this means. 98% for Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, 18%. No, I'm just, the Georgia game always stands out to me. He is talented. He is tough. He just looks like a modern day NFL quarterback for me. Does that change anybody else's mind? There's just so much stuff I'm not worried about. Seems like this is one of them, but the NFL is different. I'm sure they're going to harshly judge this. Bryce Young, 98%. Will Levis, 93%. Anthony Richardson, 79%. Hendon Hooker, 46 CJ Stroud, 18 What is it, Eddie, again? The S2 Cognition Test? Like measures the quarterback's ability to like respond to certain situations, and I mean it's like being able to like multi uh, multitask, like look at two different things and remember th- stuff. I mean it's 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 supposed to be really helpful in terms of measuring the aptitude of some of these young quarterbacks when they're translating from college to the NFL. Sounds way too nerdy to me. <laughs> I guess I just watch a game. Quick break and we'll come back. Mike Wells on the other side. Kravitz at the 5 o'clock hour. This is 93.5107 by The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! Don't! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hour two, and he's back on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline with his slow jam 90s re-entry, everybody. Here's Mike Wells. Up and down. Can you say stuff? 
set me free with your body, baby. Me do all the things <laughs> you want me to do. You gotta hit the, hit this oh, note. Here we go. Here we go. Yep. <laughs> Tonight, baby, <laughs> I wanna get freaky with you. There it is, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Pounding that out, Silken, freak me right there. That is a '90s closeout song. That is a song that you play, and if you don't close the deal, you've got zero game. They can only do so much. Silk could only do so much for you with that song, but it was legit. 1992-93, man. I was a sophomore in high school, and let's just say, woo-wee. That song brought back some memories. Did they let you play that at high school dances? No, no, no. They could not play that in high school dances because then all of a sudden, that's a combination of Freak Me and R. Kelly bump and grind up in the high school dances. Trying to grab on the booty and everything. Did they? I wonder if they played too close by next at high school dances too. <laughs> hey, hey, that was making well it hard for me. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, you know the only. Man. I think the only song, and we didn't have anything banned, but I think the only song that I'd ever heard that got banned was the Billy Idol "Money Money" because there was this chant that went along with it. Hey, hey, hey! What? Say what? Yeah, some chant, a really nasty chant that went along with it. That was the only one that I'd ever heard that may have been banned, but we didn't have anything banned. So, the, 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 the 70s and 80s, those movies, man, uh, like Revenge of the Nerds and Porkies and stuff, man. So, that, that stuff was able to fly. So, the music should have been able to fly in the 90s. <laughs> There's no doubt. There's so much. You see some of these John Hughes movies, and you're waiting for them to cut out the cuss words, and now they leave the cuss words in and cut out other things that would be much more objectionable now than the cuss words are in this era. It's pretty yeah, incredible. Yeah, I mean, I've I, I watched uh, Straight Outta Compton, like on FX or whatever, <laughs> and, and you got Cube and Dre and MC Ren, all those guys just cussing up a storm like it's not like they, like they don't have uh, minors watching the movie at the time. Yeah, it's like, I love that when it's edited like that, you get Ice Cube's No Vaseline song. Gosh darn, y'all set it off. <laughs> like they, they substitute that. Gosh darn, like Ice Cube's going to spit out a gosh darn lyric, you know? That's great. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing Ice Cube and Cube says, man, gosh darn it. Gosh, man, gosh man. darn. God dang, y'all set it off. Yeah. We know that ain't happening. Oh, man. So uh, ESPN Radio-wise, what would they have you talking about? Uh, NBA postseason. Do you still like the NBA postseason as much as you did when you covered it when the Pacers were involved? I love it. And what I hate is, yeah, I, I do love it still. But these 10, 1030 starts are kicking my butt, man. It's well past my bedtime. But the Western Conference playoff series are more, way more entertaining than what the East have going on. I mean, obviously with Brooklyn and Philly last night, hard and getting ejected and then uh, Joel and me getting into a little bit and stuff. But the, the West is where it's at. I mean, Clippers, even without Kawhi and Paul George, they're making it a competitive series. They have a bunch of drops of 45 piece on them last night. What what Mike Brown and the Kings are doing against the Warriors, even though I know, the, you know, Steph looked like Steph against them uh, last night. I'm enjoying the Western Conference playoffs way better. I just wish they could start a little earlier. 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, you're not going to get that wish anytime soon. So, but I, I would agree with you. I thought the Nets and Sixers. I mean, now the Sixers are up three zip, and that thing is over. But uh, there was some compelling action. The Nets kind of hosed themselves. I mean, all those opportunities, and literally one of the worst in the moment inbounds passes you've ever seen from Royce O'Neal last night. I guess you can, you know, talk about um, Mikel Bridges going the wrong direction as well. But man. That was some ugly stuff to end that game. What was a great, hard fought, both uh, in terms of basketball and non basketball stuff going on. That's exactly what I look for in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, and that is. And you, you, I mean, Milwaukee sits there and beats Miami by, you know, they're up by almost 40 points without with Giannis sitting on the bench in street clothes the other night. It's just, it's just crazy. And, you know, I, nobody, nobody's really talking about uh, Boston because Boston is doing what Boston does. Um, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I think when you look at the Eastern Conference, Boston and a, and and then I honestly think Joel Embiid is going to win the MVP. In my opinion, I think if they play, you know, if Boston, excuse me, if uh, Philadelphia and Milwaukee play each other, I would love to see a seven-game series between the Greek Freak and Joel Embiid. Can you believe how much Embiid flops? Oh, I mean, no, it is no, absolutely no, incredible how much he flops. I mean, anybody touches him and he falls down. Yeah, I mean, listen, you and I can touch him, and he's gonna, his his seven foot body is going to fall to the ground. He's going to be smelling his arm and acting like he got ran over by a middle linebacker. Yeah, I love that too. I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. It's like you know, in, in a, a soccer match, and the guys fall down, and you're in agonizing pain. And you're laying down there for a while, and then you get back up and take off running, just like nothing happened. That's exactly what he does. Yeah. No. Hey. So, do you think he's MVP this year? Or are you going with the Joker? Uh, I I can't stand Embiid, but I also recognize that he was the most consistent, unstoppable force in the NBA, and that would be my criteria. Yeah. Now, now let me. You know, I'm, I got to ask you this in and fun. Is it because you can't stand him because he flops too much, or uh. you can't stand him that Miles calls him daddy? Well, that doesn't uh, that doesn't help. But he's from Kansas, and I think Kansas sucks, so I can't stand anything from Kansas. <laughs> and Scott Pollard knows that. Scott Pollard cussed at me once because of that, but that's all right. I just say oh, I hate Kansas. Boy. I don't. I don't like. I don't like. I've never really liked him. Not really been a fan. But uh, the, the Miles stuff, now that ownership right there doesn't really help the situation with me either. Yeah, so which hey, that, hey, that's understandable. I mean, you you ride or die with Miles Turner. So I mean, <laughs> I, I got I got mad respect for you for that. It, you you when he's when he sucks, he sucks. When he plays great, you give him props. So you're my kind of guy. I like people who can can acknowledge good and bad at the same time. Let me tell you this. So Chad Buchanan, Pacers general manager, Mike was on with me two days ago, and I'd been waiting to talk with somebody in management with the Pacers to to do it. I told you so. Um, to feel vindicated with Miles. And the first thing I brought up was, hey, I, I guess you're glad now, right, that Phoenix matched that offer sheet back in July. And he kind of laughed and went into, you know, how happy they were. And Miles had that type of season. I was loaded up and ready to go. And then I get in here today, and uh, he had sent me a Miles Turner jersey in a package. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, wow. made me laugh, made me laugh a great deal. So yeah, that was pretty good. Man, let's say, listen, you you should go out there and feel good about 
uh, what Miles did this season and, and let the uh, Patriots match with, with the Suns throughout his way. You, you should talk, and I think I'm so petty, Jay. I probably would have brought it up every day, every day of the season, even if Miles had a bad game. Well, I, I, I kind of did, yeah. <laughs> I kind of did that, Mike. I did. I I had been waiting for this for a long time, and I never – I mean, I understand where a fan base wants somebody to play well and play consistently well, but they, a lot of this fan base didn't act in a similar fashion to others on this team when they didn't have a good game. And – I, I and this goes all the way back, and I don't know if it was if it was your argument, but I remember Grady brought this up, and Grady spent here on the midday show half the summer, you know, making fun of Miles because he was doing yoga and working out, and I'm thinking I don't care what he does as long as he's working to get better, yoga, lifting weights, you know, working with Kevin McHale with his back to the basket, all that stuff is good with me. So I kind of took the baton right there. It wasn't like that he came out of Texas and I went, well, I'm going to defend this guy. I just wasn't going to be one of them that wanted to run this guy out of town and then see him go someplace else and play well and then have Indy kind of holding up their hands as Pacer fans going, oh, yeah, look what we did. So I I just started defending him, and you knew, at least I did, when you split the big man tandem situation – and then you got Halliburton in here, who was an elite level willing passer. I thought this is what it takes, and that's exactly what happened. Yes, hey, hey, say it again, say it again. Uh, I, I, I love that you, uh, you roll, you roll with your guy uh, through through the whole process. Now they got to get some more pieces up. They, they, they got, they definitely got to get. You know, Chad and uh, Kevin Pritchard, um, they do have some more work to do because this whole, you know not making the playoffs or being at the bottom of, you know, bottom of the uh, playoff, Eastern Conference playoff race and barely getting in, that's that's only going to – that's not going to fly much longer because they got too many talented young pieces on this roster not to be competitive enough to be in the mix. That is 100% true. And, in fact, I, I told him that. I said, listen, I'm going to yell at you guys next year if we're talking about the same stuff outside the postseason while it's going on. On that particular day, it was a glorious afternoon. And we know this, Pacers in the postseason and a great afternoon here in central Indiana. It just makes it a great day, an exciting day. And I, I told him, I said, that's – our expectation for next year and he kind of went into well you know next year or the year after and i went oh no 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 year after stuff next year all we've heard is about leverage and about what you know, type of you know, what type of opportunities they have right this offseason into finding somebody else bring somebody else in to mature this team to make it better now this is going to be postseason worthy next year that should be all of our expectations no, a hundred, a hundred percent, a hundred percent accurate. Because um, you know, unlike the folks on West Fifty Sixth Street, they you, there's a glimmer, there's a glimmer of hope for the boys on Pennsylvania Street right now. So I was talking about, yeah, I was talking about this. Mike Wells of ESPN Radio joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I was um, talking about this a little bit earlier too. So Chris Ballard met with the local media earlier today before the draft, as uh, everybody does, and certainly Chris Ballard does before every draft. And you know, people were uh, marking about how how you know calm and comfortable he looked, and you know how he really wasn't saying anything. Well, that's it. I mean, he can't say anything. I'm not defending the guy. He's comfortable because he knows he has three years he knows he's getting a reboot right here it's important to get this right 
No doubt. But he's got three years to see if this thing is done right. So, yeah, he is comfortable because of that. He wants to get that pick right. But in terms of looking for something that he could say or to be said in that environment, it's just not. That's why I always you feel like that these meetings before the draft like this around the NFL are such a monumental waste of time, are they not? I mean, you just, you know, he just, he's up there and he just has to talk about stuff that he can't say, that he can't get into. And then people say, well, look, he's not saying anything. Well, that's because he can't. Now, I don't often defend Ballard about stuff recently, but that I will. What do you want the dude to say? What's he supposed to say? Well, first of all, you really can't say anything because, you know, he made a great point today. Nobody knows what's going to happen at one, two, and three, especially. At the number, th- you know, the, uh, we know you're, you're we're, we're working on the exception that Carolina and Houston are going to take quarterbacks. Then Arizona gets on the clock, and who knows what's going to happen there because their phones are going to probably start buzzing and having the team to try to leapfrog. So, you know, those, and of course, you know, I'm looking at tweets and I'm looking at, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, people who like to talk and say, oh, yeah, he's not, you know, he's wasting his time going up there. He didn't say anything. Same Chris Ballard type stuff. No, the reality is he doesn't know. Nobody knows how the dominoes are going to fall in the top three spots. And props to those teams who aren't going to say anything. I mean, Carolina's not going to come out and say we're going to take Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or, you know, or they're going to surprise everybody and take somebody different. They, that, they, it, it, would, it would do no good for the Panthers to come out and say something. Obviously, you got to assume that, you know, whoever they take, Houston's going to take the next best quarterback at that spot, and then who knows what's going to happen. So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The S2 cognition test is what everybody's talking about right now. I got this email from Tom a little bit earlier today. He says, JMV, the S2 cognition test seems to be the fad in the realm of responsive evaluation nowadays, at least for some NFL teams. And one of those teams would be Carolina, who probably were quite interested in these scores you're about to see. These were unleashed these scores and again eddie what exactly what are we measuring here scientifically measuring an athlete's game speed cognitive abilities down to a millisecond level i mean this is some deeply rooted nerd material right here but apparently the nfl takes this incredibly seriously bryce young is the top of the list 98 percent at the bottom of the list you want to guess who it is will levis C.J. Stroud, 18%. Oh, wow. Should that alone, should that alone push a team like the Colts, for example, away from drafting him, in this case, at number four overall? How how much should that matter? First of all, I'm confused on what the test is. So again, I just uh, I, yeah, I gave you the I gave what is on the website here. Scientifically measures an athlete's game speed, cognitive ability down to the millisecond. So to make decisions, to process decisions down to the millisecond, and do it in multitasking order. Like a lot of things going on in your brain. Like right now, I'm talking with you. If anything else played a role besides me talking with you, I'd be hosed. I'd probably test minus 78 on this. Man, this, this is taking the dear nerdyism <laughs> to a, to another level, bro. And I, I'm I'm making and I'm I'm making I'm making up words when I say this. Nerd, nerdyism isn't isn't even a word 
but that's taking it to the extreme on this. They would, they they would they would do anything to try to break down a player. And uh, once again, you know, between you know C.J. Stroud can't catch a break. You got a uh, Mr. Mr. Notre Dame, uh, Brady Quinn out there trying to put a negative light on him and everything. Now this test comes out and have him at the bottom. Man, I just I don't get it. Yeah, and all of the quarterbacks we've talked about, Bryce Young, 98%. Will Levis, 93%. Anthony Richardson, 79%. Hendon Hooker, 46 CJ Stroud, 18 according to the S2 cognition test. So, I, you know, I go by one game, and I have been honest by that against Georgia – Chris Ballard told me to my face they go more about game feel of uh, game film and games actual games of competition themselves. I just am curious how much you think something like this may play a role. Is it playing a role for example with with Houston in mind? Why many believe they're not going to draft a quarterback overall at number 2, which I think is asinine. If I were a fan of Houston, I'm thinking, you know what? Get in there and pick a quarterback. I mean, you got Davis Mills right now. Pick a quarterback. So what, you're supposed to wait for another bad year and hope you get up there and have enough? And I guess you could put together a package and try to move up to get Caleb Williams. But you don't know that for sure. You don't know what's going to happen. You're up there right now. And and I'll finish and I'll let you finish too. Rick Venturi told me, and I believe in this, you don't get up here very often. You don't want to be up here very often. So when you get up there, make it mean something. And I think that there's yeah. a lot of truth behind that, and that's how I feel about the Colts at number four. And if I were a Texans fan, I think I would feel the same way, certainly with number two. Here's, here's my thing. Yes, Caleb Williams is a real deal at USC. But why roll the dice for another year and just have a straight boo-boo season? And what happens if uh, Caleb Williams or the Florida State quarterback, somebody suffers some type of injury, which we hope doesn't happen, and then all of a sudden those guys, uh, you know, drop or whatever. So you're, you're sitting here banking that these guys are going to continue to be great, which we all hope they will continue to be great. But you never know what could come along and slow down, slow down uh, those players down next season on the college football field. But I want, I want to throw a scenario out to you. What would you do if Chris Ballard traded back or simply didn't take a quarterback at number four and said, you know what, they decided to take Hooker in the second round or Stetson Bennett from Georgia? Would you be PO'd at that? I guess part of me would suggest, all right, so you're still doing something. You're doing something you believe in. Fine. I wouldn't understand it. I wouldn't understand what they would understand. Like, I, a disappointment's not the right word. They're still going at it with something they believe. I just wouldn't have a similar belief. I may end up being there anyway because I've been this C.J. Stroud guy forever, and I like him, but I've also told everybody that's willing to listen that I believe they're going to draft Will Levis. So I've been kind of in that category the way that it is at number four, you know, even beyond trading down. But, yeah, yeah I would I would find it tough to understand. I would be interested to hear the the reason behind such a move if they decide to do yeah. that. And by the way, I don't like that. I, I don't like that idea. Somebody somebody mentioned mentioned that to me, and I was like, ah, nah, nah, nah. And of course, you know, they are a listener of your show, so they're like, throw that out to JMV next time you're on the show. I'm like, all right, cool, no problem. Uh, but I I'm under the mind frame that you're so high, you're at number four. We've seen what's happened at the quarterback spot for so many for the last 
since 2019 for almost four years now. They got to they, they got they got to they got to figure get off the pot now, man, because it, who knows when they're going to have this opportunity to get another quarterback this high in the draft. What I love about this is Lovey Smith with that parting gift of winning that game, final regular season weekend, beating the Colts here. Um, I'm assuming that they would take Bryce Young. They're just not going to take anybody else again. Reportedly in this draft, when they absolutely yeah. should, and they're not going to. I just I love the fact that that is the difference here. That win with Lovey Smith, who got fired, that is the difference that we're talking about right now. Or they would have number one. They would hold on to number one. I'm assuming draft Bryce Young and move forward right now instead. They're going to tell their fan base to wait another year. I mean, get the hell out of here with that crap, really. Well, we are talking about Houston Texans, so. Yeah, nobody cares. Except for Texans Mark. My friend Texans Mark. Good guy. He cares. But, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, in fact, they're still having nightmares about T.Y. T. Hilton. That's, just, that's all That's all that needs to be said. It's uh, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, what else is happening in your world? When are you going to be back on the radio nationally again? Is that coming up soon? Man, I, I was supposed to be on tomorrow, but I am currently road tripping with your favorite member of the Wells household. Oh, yeah? And one of, one of our AAU teammates. We are about 30 minutes from our hotel in Cincinnati, uh, they got a game tonight at seven twenty. Uh, so we are we left school early. I let Layla at least you know play a little half day hooky, and uh, straight driving in the rain over to Cincinnati. And I am not getting any skyline chili because I don't want any bubble guts, man. So they, is it an all weekend thing? Yeah, one one tonight, two tomorrow, and then one on Sunday. Yeah, we were supposed to be somewhere this weekend, and. Uh... I think uh, I think we decided not to go. We played in Westfield last weekend. Oh, hell, man! Hey, did you go to? Uh, did you get some donuts up there, man? From that? Oh uh, yeah, I yeah. I I did not. I only went on Sunday. I think I went on Sunday. That was the only time they played. They played on Saturday too. I couldn't go because I had Blake had Ron Cali prom, and I had to do show here next door on Saturday, so I was unavailable to go and. And uh, I don't know what they they did, and she was hanging out with Grace and Kennedy all weekend. Apparently, hey, let me let me ask you this. Yep did you did you tell Blake when he went to prom last Saturday for Ron College? Did you say Blake act like Dad did way back in the day on uh-uh. prom night? Nah, he would have had to have. Uh, well, it was it was it was weird scheduling because when I went to the prom in '87 and in '88, for some reason. Um, we always had a baseball doubleheader against Brown County the next morning, which I don't know who the hell put that on the schedule. Um, when I was when I was eighty seven, the first time I went to the prom, I slept in the back of my truck in the parking lot. I got two hours of sleep in the back of my truck and got up, and then we had batting practice. And then Brown County came. We had a doubleheader. I was a catcher, and I was really the only catcher basically on the entire team so i played both ends of the double header and then the next year kind of the same thing we had to go to brown county and played both ends of a double header so it was it's weird I, I didn't go home though but no he um i had tony donahue was his chauffeur so oh, look, at, look at tony d uh-huh. out there taking care of you and stuff man Yep, he was uh blake and his date chauffeur so i knew what was going on 100 percent of the time now, there's no way I'm letting him do get anywhere near what I did. None. And I, I know that makes me sound bad and a bad dad. Well, you can do, and you're not going to allow. Yes, exactly. 
I, I'm, yeah, I did. I did. I did stuff that there's no way in the world I would let my kids do at any time. Yeah, yeah. Times have changed from the '80s and '90s. Uh, what we did to what kids should be doing is the problem now. No way. But I had, I had a good time though. Frangie Panty Room over there in the uh, Memorial Union. That's where our prom was every year. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Oh, hey, by man. the way, too, I know because you're employed by Indiana University, they're celebrating this weekend a little five, and they're getting the type of weather that is normal. Last weekend, basically, certainly Saturday, not Sunday, but Saturday was glorious. And then you know that if you get a glorious weekend like last weekend, that it's going to be crappy this weekend, and that's what you're getting for a little five down there, right? Yes, and, you know, it's funny, so – I got a, I have a class that has uh, 15 seniors in it, yep. I believe, out of 18 students. And since yesterday was the last night nice day of the week, a little 500 week, they they all told me they weren't coming to class. They said we're going to skip, take advantage of it, go to five, which meant they were probably enjoying quite a few adult beverages down uh, Kirkwood. Yeah. Uh, which led to me uh, just saying, you know what? I'm just going to hang out in my office and get some work done. And, but they'll be out there take, partaking in the beverages tomorrow, even though it's going to be cold uh, during the race. I had some great moments at Little Five. I'd never once stepped foot into Bill Armstrong Stadium to watch them get on their bikes. But I had fun times down there. I love Little Five weekend. One of these days, I'm going to take my take uh, my students up on the offer because they always, they always give, they give a free ticket to a professor they like. And I'm over two on accepting invites. Yeah. Um, maybe because maybe because I'm scared to see my students just staggering around, you know, <laughs> by the end of the race. And I don't mean staggering around because they're tired from uh, watching the bikes go in circles. Yep. But more so, drinking. Yep. Nah, great time down there when you're in college. And I obviously went being from that area. You know, when I was in high school, we went to parties around there too, and. Uh, Sometimes got our ass whipped. Other times we didn't. But it was always a pretty good time down there. So good time to be had. Hopefully safe by all. And I I feel good because I was never arrested and had to clean up the messes that were left behind the next day. I always felt good about that. Uh, You can handle your alcohol. You've always been able to do that. Never left behind. All right, my friend. Give my girl a great deal of love. Tell her to go out and get right. it. Play well in Cincinnati, and we'll talk at you next week. All right. Jay said play well this weekend, Layla. Bye. Bye, Layla. All right. All Take right, it easy, Mike. It's uh, Mike yeah. Wells, ESPN Radio, the Eddie Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I mentioned during that conversation, a friend of mine named Texans Mark, clearly a Texans fan, chimes in with this. If Richardson is there at 12, I'm on board Two things. Nobody is running the AFC anytime soon outside of KC, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. Uh, Number two, they're bringing the San Francisco systems to Houston. It doesn't require an elite quarterback. See Brock Purdy. I'm telling you, (laughs) you get up there at number, you're going to be back up there at number two again. Seems like you have no fan base the way that it is, right? It's kind of like around here. I mean, can you give people around here something to be excited about? How long do you have to stink and wait? It's the NFL. I mean, normally you just snap your finger and you turn that thing around. Since when do you have to start waiting and building this thing like it's the NBA or something? See, that's what I don't get. I know he knows what he's talking about, too. Great guy. 
But I think that that is a BS maneuver. Bob Kravitz coming up at the top of the hour. Quick break. We're back with you and your calls on the other side. It's 93.5107 by the fan. The- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ride with JMV. It's party time. P-A-R-T. Why? Because I gotta. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. He will headline Carb Day 2023 coming up on May the 26th. Brian Adams, this is This Time. Great catalog of enjoyable music. Of course, earlier this week, Dave Perner of Soul Asylum was on the show. They will open up. You uh, will love it. Absolutely will love it. So what happened there with Drew Smiley? Did you see that? Is he just going back out or is that? Uh, I don't know. Did he give up a hit? Looks like it. So Drew Smiley. See, you messed that up. Eddie Garrison said, hey, Drew Smiley of the Cubs has a perfect game going into the seventh inning. It was an infield single that on a swinging bunt. Here it is. A, oh, a swing. Oh, I wasn't a swinging bunt. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, he got ran over by his own catcher. <laughs> oh, no. And it wasn't Tucker Barnard. Yeah. Jan Gomes ran him over. Oh, no. And that's how the perfect game ends. Now, would he have a chance to have picked that ball up to get him? Uh, let's see. He's oh, about yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that's quarters, a chance right maybe? there. Yeah. I think he has a chance. Now, it would have to be – everything had to be going right. That is one of the more ridiculous ways I think you can lose a perfect game, right? Especially that deep into the game. Check out that replay. Thank goodness that's not our friend Tucker Barnhard right there. And Gomes just runs right over him. Kind of a dribbler down the third baseline that got into the grass. And again, Smiley's a left-hander. So he could have turned and maybe a slight plant, but certainly turned and fired it to first. I mean, maybe it would be tough. It'd be a difficult play. But that's a hell of a way to see a perfect game end. 23 perfect games all time. The last perfect game, Felix Hernandez. That's back on August the 15th, 2012. Drew Smiley's right there. The good news for Cubs fans, they're up 13-0 over the Dodgers right now. Who was that that hit that dribbler? David Peralta, he's the one who had the game-winning hit against the Cubs last week. (laughs) Well, he was the one that uh, I I talked to Tucker about this on Monday because David Ross, the manager, said that they were trying to pitch or they thought they should be pitching around him and clearly didn't get that done. Now, that is pretty interesting. So if that's the difference, can you imagine? You think Right now, you think Jan Gomes is like wanting badly to see a clean single happen here? 
Uh, I would hope so on his end. Do, do you let – I don't know how many pitchers that Smiley has right now. Do you leave him in? He's got 100 right now, one out into the eighth inning. I think you just let him finish out this inning and then you bring someone bring somebody else in. somebody else in, yeah. Man, that's interesting right there. Cubs fans, maybe a little bit of history, maybe not. That is an unfortunate way to lose a perfect game. Having the catcher run over you to play that role. Uh, JMV at 107.5thefan.com. This is from Brian. He says, JMV, the Stroud S2 leak is fake. The test founder stated all quarterbacks in the draft class scored well. SI article attached. I tried to click on that. I did not get anything from it. But here's this reminder that I talked about yesterday and I brought up at the beginning of the show. This is all common stuff. This is all stuff. It seems like there is certainly one player every year that gets zoned in on that basically everybody takes shots at. And in the last four or five days, it seems like that is C.J. Stroud. But I mentioned this yesterday, too. I just want to see the way that they play. I want them to be able to play. You know, all this other stuff, you figure that out later. And I know what you're talking about. Well, this is multitasking, and that's the job of a quarterback to be able to do that at the highest level. Uh, Drew Smiley coming out right now with two outs in the top of the eighth inning. And I'm assuming... Peralta got a hit out of that, right? That was a hit, ruled a hit? Yeah, they ruled that a hit. (laughs) What a way to end that. That's a hell of a performance, though. So he goes out, Cubs up 13 to nothing. Could have seen a little bit of history. Uh, Unfortunately, did not occur. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. Grab a lot of... Information from you via at JMV1070 on Twitter coming up in a minute, too. Yeah, I saw this from Steve in San Antonio. It is in a response to what Zach Kiefer had tweeted earlier today from Chris Ballard when he met with the media today at noon. Quote, I think y'all feel the pressure more than I do sometimes. That was Chris Ballard at noon. Steve in San Antonio says, I get He's saying that, but the reality is that his seat has to be a little bit warm, right? Everybody's seat seemingly is always a little bit warm, but I'm telling you, when somebody asked me earlier if I believe that Ballard is in a comfortable position, right? He is. Anybody else? Unless this is an absolute disaster this year, like a Zach Wilson type of disaster. He's going to have this year. He's going to see it through next year. And if there are any signs whatsoever, he's going to get a year three. To me, he's got three more years. Like it or lump it. I'm not suggesting that should be right. You know where I've stood on this. I'm just saying this is a reboot. Yesterday we were talking to DeForest Buckner, and he said, I don't want to hear anything about rebuild. All right, well, how about reboot? Because reboot is it. 
And that's certainly what you do when you go after a quarterback. That's certainly what you do when you have no interest in going out and, and trying to get Lamar Jackson or doing that whole veteran quarterback carousel again. This is what you're doing right now. Unless it's an absolute disaster that you can see in year number one, he has got three years to get this right. Guys agree? 239-1070. We'll talk to you coming up on the other side. Friday edition of the show, 93.5-1075. The fan, don't leave. The Rock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With JMV. Hey, Judge, double enough and he makes it. 80,000. What's that, Judge? You're on, you're on. Well, we're waiting. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, Bob Lovell, Mike Wells, podcast 107.5thefan.com. This week's been a good one, too. Got podcasts all over the place from Matt Painter to Dave Perner to Chad Buchanan, DeForest Buckner, 1075thefan.com. Monday, get ready. Rick Venturi Monday, Daniel Jeremiah on Monday. So, week leading up to that draft, first round on Thursday, of course, we're going to have a solution at least draft wise to that fourth overall selection. Rick Venturi, Daniel Jeremiah on Monday's show as we get ready for the Colts to make that pick coming up on Thursday in round number one. Uh, T. Shaw writes this. How do you think Kelly Leak will perform in the race tomorrow for the Cutters? (laughs) I love Little Five Weekend. I've never once seen a moment of the race. I do love breaking away, however. from Chris. JMV, I read somewhere that that test you're talking about, multiple parts, that's what it is, and this is just a part, not a final score. Still 18% on anything is crazy. Hey, I've been there before. 18% may have been a high water mark for me a couple of different times. Hey, JMV, these are the first two designs. This will be on the front and on the back. Stroud and Brown. I hope that works out, too. Yeah, for sure. This is from Josh. I could see Ballard being arrogant and throwing a curveball and going against the fans and drafting a tackle or a guard. Not a quarterback out of spite. He's not doing that out of spite. Uh, He might. Think about doing something trading back out of what he believes, but it's certainly not going to be out of spite. It's not going to make you love it anymore if he does that. I guess that's one thing I haven't asked yet. Anybody believe so negatively about the quarterbacks at the top of this list that you would trade down? You would be happy if he traded down, traded back, went with something else? You that a non-believer, that much of a non-believer in this draft at the beginning with the quarterback? I guess, comparatively speaking here, are you like Houston? Anybody out there like Houston say, nope, 
John Martin writes this. So I think the officials ejected Harden to make up for not ejecting Embiid. An absolute horrible decision to eliminate one of the biggest marketing products of the NBA in Harden. He's got to keep his hand away from the junk of others, though. He did do that. And I'm sorry, as fellas, we all understand this, right? If you get anywhere near, for lack of a better description, if you ball tap in a basketball game, you got to go. That should be an automatic ejection. I believe that was asked last night, too, right, on the broadcast? I mean, they always ask Monty McCutcheon stuff, and he always agrees with whatever they call. (laughs) There's Moss bringing Monty McCutcheon. Yeah, I agree with what they did. But I think they brought that up. Anything that is near the groin area should be auto-ejection. No doubt. We all know that. So I didn't mind it. Now, again, I'm not a James Harden guy either. So his step back, traveling, flopping into people drives me insane. But no, seriously, you ball tap somebody, you got to go. Get out. Uh, Skivvy says this, NBA refs teed up Claxton for flexing after a dunk, but no text for Brooks clapping in LeBron's face. See, that's where I'm different, though. Like, I don't like Dylan Brooks, but Dylan Brooks and that act, I think, to me, is necessary. I don't mind seeing it. And I'm certainly not going to be hypocritical about it because, to a degree, most accepted the act of Lance Stevenson when he did that stuff with LeBron years ago. So why should I embrace the Dylan Brooks act today? Anybody out there like Lance years ago, but not like Dylan Brooks now? I don't like Dylan Brooks as a player. But as far as an instigator out there, a heel, man, that is necessary. A heel is necessary. I don't know where this is from. Something called NFL Rookie Watch. Will Levis is reportedly the apple of the Colts' eye heading into the draft. Multiple scouts reportedly believe the Colts would select Levis over Stroud if both were available at number four. Many scouts also believe the idea that Levis is sliding is a myth. The hype is real. Regarding the Kentucky quarterback, NFL rookie watch. Hi, I am Braden Deacon, and this is the NFL rookie watch, Twitter's Twitter's premier source for NFL rookies. You buy this, Eddie? Like Chris Ballard did say, and he's right about this, nobody knows anything. They've, they've kept this under lock and key, and I've talked about this before with Mike Chappell last week. I, don't, I, I think that they have a very tight, inner circle on everything if you know what i mean and i know jim is off on a movie set in new mexico right now but they have a really tight inner circle there's nothing going anywhere and the only reason why i brought this up months ago is because i got that months ago so this type of stuff does not surprise me but it also doesn't surprise me that things are tight and 
Chris was right about that earlier. They had nothing getting out. I just utilized that months ago because that's something that I had heard months ago because we were talking about this months ago. And I mean back during the season. A quick break. We'll come back. Bob Kravitz going to join us from The Athletic coming up on the other side. The baseball project tickets for that show coming up in August at the Miral National Center. That's uh, Peter Buck and Mike Mills, Hall of Famers of REM, a part of that. The baseball project tickets before the end of the show. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Ride with JMV. Why not, Mr. Vankman? Because you did not use the magic word. What is the magic word, Mr. Vankman? Please. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Last word tonight is at hold the phone here. 6.30? I've got to go extra tonight? Well, about 15, holy hell, nobody told me that. About 15 minutes. I'm just joking. So we got a little anything goes at 6 o'clock tonight? Holy crap. You guys ready for that? Anything goes, 6 o'clock. The last words at 6.30, anything goes at 6 o'clock. So sharpen your set of tools. You tools for six o'clock. Anything goes. Can top of the hour. Cavs Knicks coming up a little bit later on tonight. Game three of that first round Eastern Conference NBA playoff series on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pileline. He's a friend of the show. We welcome him in now, Bob Kravitz of the Athletic. And you just heard Nick Lowe. I, I made you aware, and you said you were going to be on the road. Brown County Music Center, I think in June. Elvis oh, Costello. Yeah which I know you love, Elvis Costello, oh, and I believe love. Nick Lowe is opening up that show. That's unbelievable. I go see Nick Lowe as the main guy. Me too. I mean, Absolutely. I, I love all that British you know, British stuff from late 70s, early 80s. That's, that's my wheelhouse. I'm right there with you. I am right there. We, we'd both go see um, Heaven 17. I think that may be Scottish, but the same kind of deal right there. Yes, exactly. So you got there Elvis you go. Costello and Nick Lowe. Yeah, and uh, Pearl Jam is, uh, yeah. is coming later in the year. So uh, I'll count on you for tickets on that, right? Yeah, you want to go. Pearl Jam, have you seen them before? Never have. Never yeah. have. They're one of the few bands I haven't seen. Haven't seen them. And I haven't seen you too, which I want. Who I, I, I had tickets available to me many years ago, but that was the Colts' uh, road opener against the Rams, I believe. It was, and they got beat about eighty-five to three, something like that. Yes, yeah, I was. I actually I went. On the first play of the game. I attended that U2 show. Beck opened up for U2 at Lucas Oil Stadium. And I wasn't going. I was mowing my lawn. And the awesome Kyle Kinnett of Bullseye Event Group said, hey, I got a couple of tickets. Do you want to go? I smelled like B.O. and said, sure. So I just rolled off the lawnmower, got in the truck, drove downtown, and attended. I'm glad I did. It was spectacular. Just a great show. Has there ever been a more Indiana sentence than the one you just uttered? <laughs> I smelled like B.O. not B. New York anymore, Bobby. 
<laughs> I said, whatever, I'm going. We're going. I actually took Blake, my son, too, and it was oh, very uh, cool. Very it was cool. awesome to see you two in concert. But uh, no, Pearl Jam is going to be a difficult ticket, I would presume. Yeah, I, I would think so. But uh, I, you know, if we're around, I'm interested. I think it's like in September. So. Yes. The Colts. I don't know what the Colts schedule looks like. I don't think we do yet. So, uh, so we'll see where the Colts are at. I believe it's the Saturday night in September before they open up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe that's is that September the tenth. I believe September the tenth is a Saturday night. And I believe okay. that is Pearl Jam. I got to give a shout out to Kyle and, and Jimmy and the gang at Live Nation or whomever secured Pearl Jam here because that, that's like pulling teeth, getting Eddie Vedder and the gang to come here and play a show. And uh, the yeah. fact that they did, yeah. that's well done. Awesome. Yeah, it is. All right, we're getting closer and closer, right? Under a week until the draft. Uh, the media met, I'm assuming you as well, a little bit earlier with Chris Ballard, and he said a whole bunch of nothing because that's exactly that's exactly what he can say. That's the only thing he can say is a bunch of nothing. Right. First, uh, full disclosure, and I, I say this uh, as someone who is a complete idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ballard, uh, I thought Ballard was at one. Well, it turns out that it was at noon. It was. So I... I missed the whole damn thing. Now I've watched, <laughs> I've watched, I've watched it on video, so I know exactly what he said. But I don't want to give the wrong uh, impression. I don't want people to think that I was actually there because I was out in the parking lot cursing at myself. Ah, uh, well, you, you didn't miss much. And again, no. that's not. There are a lot of things that we blame on him, and rightly so. That's not one of them because there is absolutely nothing you can say going in. Um, it's funny. He did. And I want you to play off of this, say, quote, I think you all feel the pressure more than I do sometimes. In really? quotes. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to yeah. lose my job if I pick the wrong quarterback. There. <laughs> I mean, right. But I, I will know. say this, Bob. I, I think somebody had asked me earlier if I thought that he looked incredibly comfortable for a guy going into year seven with one playoff win. And I said, yes, because unless this is a catastrophic disaster with this pick at four at quarterback, he's got three years to iron all this out. In my opinion, do you agree? At least I say at least two, you know, you, you, you know, if the guy turns out to be a Zach Wilson or, you know, uh, that that's that's going to be a problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think as long as the young guy is coming along reasonably well, then I think they will get uh, two three years. You um torn he, he right? Do you are you torn at all with number four? Do you have anybody in mind? And I've said all along. This goes back to the regular season that I had heard, and and this is before they put everything, and I mean everything under lock and key to a point where they're probably good that Jim is out in New Mexico on a movie set with Peter Berg right now, right? They're probably okay with that deep down inside. Yeah, I would think so. I, you know, honestly, at this point, I there's no inside information. This is a total guess on my part. Um, I think it's going to be Will Levis. I really do. Uh, I just think it's trending that way. Uh, you know, I know that Peyton still has a lot of power uh, around here as well. He should. And he is a big uh, Levis proponent, and I, I, I think that they want somebody who's a little more 
uh, ready to uh, to play right away. And I think uh, of the two guys who we think will be available, he is certainly uh, far more ready. I mean, look, Richardson's played 13 games. I'm talking to Bill Polian last night for a story I'm doing on the 25th anniversary of the uh, of the Manning Leaf draft, and he was saying that he wanted a, a quarterback who had played 30 games in college. And Peyton, Peyton obviously uh, had accomplished that. Now we're looking at a guy who played 13 games. That scares me to death. You know, and when's he going to be ready? I have no idea. But uh, I think they're going to go Levis. Um, you know, this will probably be on cold takes or whatever, but I just, that's just my sense of it. Yeah. Mine's going to, cause I, I had, and we talked about this before. I, I had some, some interesting that's in, Intel that I kind of just let blow by during the season that I talked about, because you start talking about draft position and future quarterbacks when the team with Matt Ryan's going down the tubes at four twelve and one. So we were having that conversation on the air during the season and Levis's name came up as somebody that they were watching. Now, granted, they were watching everybody. They're scouting everybody, but I had just heard that they had more interest in Levis than anybody else and Bob up until now I have not heard anything at all differently now I'm I'm interested in CJ Stroud and that's what this question is if he's available at four and they bypass him for Will Levis is that a red flag I to I you have an issue with that yeah I have an issue with that I mean you better have a really strong strong conviction about Will Levis if you uh, take him over CJ Stroud now, do I think Houston in any way, shape, or form is going to bypass a quarterback? Hell no, because then they're going to gift the Colts their, you know, probably the second-best quarterback uh, in the draft, and that guy has a chance to kick their ass every two times a year for the next 10 years. I don't think Houston's going to take that risk. I think it's going to go one two, one two four in quarterbacks or one two three because I still think the Colts uh, are going to have to move up or somebody's going to come up from behind them and take the guy they want. Yeah, I um, I think they stay at four and get Levis at four. And I've, thought, I've said that all along. I've said that way back, too. I just think that's the way that it's going to happen. I do happen to think that Houston's going to bypass, stupidly, a quarterback at two and be back yeah, in this yeah. thing once again next year. I do. I re- I believe that stuff. And I, I obviously believe, I'm assuming as you do, too, that, that Frank Reich and Carolina fell in love with Bryce Young when maybe initially yeah. they were in love with C.J. Stroud. Yeah, it, it kind of looked that way. But look, you know, I, I thought that Ballard was great today. He was he was like you say very relaxed and kind of funny. And he said, "Look, I won't lie to you, which is always a sign they'll lie to you." But right. He said, "I'll I'll uh, I'll either tell you an answer or I'll dance around it." Today I'm a dancer, and I thought, "Yes, that's exactly what, that's what everybody's doing." The thing about I will say this about Ballard, you know, I I have not caught him in a significant uh, or even an insignificant fib since the time he's been here. I mean, uh, you know, he's just not one of those guys that's going to run to Adam uh, or one of those guys and, you know, uh, float a trial balloon or send up a a smoke screen of some sort. Uh, I think all this stuff about Houston bypassing a quarterback is just a smoke screen. Uh, I think, 
I think somebody's getting in the right person's ear in the media and the word's getting out. But I I would bet my bottom dollar, whatever the hell that means, um, that uh, Houston's going to go quarterback at two. And it's going to be up to the Colts to move up to get one of the guys that they're focusing on. You know, they're, they're not – they say – that they're not all in on one guy necessarily. But even if you're talking about two guys that you like, you'd like to be in a position where you can select one of those. Do you think that they have zero idea about what's going to take place other than what Carolina's going to do at number one in front of them right now, or they have a pretty good idea? I think they got an idea, but uh, not a good one. You know, I mean, was, was he being honest? Today, when he said, I have no idea how one, two, three is going to go. I mean, I, you know, we've both been around these drafts for a long time, and there's usually a pretty solid sense of how the top of the draft, at least the top three or four, are going to go. And we're not even 100% certain that we're looking at Bryce Young at one. I think he's going to be one. It, it certainly It certainly looks like it, but... This this is going to be a crazy draft. I'm, I'm usually I don't look all that forward to drafts. They're they're just kind of slow and boring. But except for the first round, and but I this is going to be an intriguing one because I don't know that anybody really has a clear sense of especially what Houston's going to do it to. So Bob Kravitz of the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You mentioned that in in your time in covering him that Chris has not floated out test balloons, you know, in the form of scoops for Adam Schefter or anybody else. Has he ever done that? Has he ever kind of gone to the national guys as used to happen all the time around here when the information wanted to go out? Has has he ever done that? Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, you know, I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, I, I think it's been important to uh, this particular Colts uh, group that if there's going to be news broken, for the, I mean, look, this stories break nationally all the time on every individual beat. That's just the way it goes. You know, agents know who to call. Uh, you know, they're going to call Adam because they're going to get a, a lot of bang for their buck. They're not going to call Joe Schmo in Indianapolis. But I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen uh, an obvious Ballard leak to a national guy. Now, maybe maybe one of his underlings, everybody's got connections, but you don't see a hell of a lot come out of, uh, you know, come out of the management side uh, of the Colts. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure he has, uh, John, but not that I'm aware of. How tight do you think they're keeping that inner circle right there? I'd mentioned Jim Irsay, you know, on the movie set in, in New Mexico and that. <laughs> I'd ask Mike Chappell this a couple of weeks ago if he thought maybe they weren't exactly sharing everything. Um, he couldn't dispute that, uh, and, and neither can I. You, you think that maybe they've got this tight inner circle and some things they are keeping, you know, maybe not exactly open to the owner at this point in time? It's entirely possible. I mean, the owner, uh, how shall we say, uh, you know, he speaks – he speaks uh, – out of out of turn on occasion, um, so yeah, I think they're they're very happy about his current movie, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure they're they're hoping that he wins an Academy Award, and uh, yeah, no, I 
I, I don't know how that, how that would work. I mean, I think they'll let him know about it. Look, they're not going to know till the, the draft actually starts. I think they're going to go in there with a game plan. If it, if, if it breaks this way, we're going to take this guy. If it breaks another way, we're going to take another guy. I mean, we don't know for sure who's number one. We think we know. We certainly don't know who's number two, although I think they're going to take a quarterback. And at this point, they don't know if they're moving up to three, if they're going to need to move up to three. I think they're going to need to move up to three. If the uh, Falcons or the Raiders or another quarterback-hungry team jumps up in front of the Colts, that, that to me is a real problem and does not reflect well on Chris. Yeah, I um, I still think they're going to be able to stay at four, but again – yeah, who knows? Who knows leading up to it as well? I mean, I think that they know, Bob, a majority of what's going on, but when you kind of get a wild card, in this case maybe two, but I think certainly one at three in front of you, uh, that probably does throw a, a bit of a cloud over what you believe you normally would know about this, certainly. Bob Kravitz of The Athletic joins us. By the way, Peter Berg is directing this film that Jim Irsay is a part of. I believe that they'll be working together further down the road, too, so I think Peter Berg's yeah, been around cool. here a lot. Yeah. I didn't know. I did not know that. I wonder. Well, I, I, I guess I should say I want. I should say I wonder. <laughs> That's what I should oh, say. Okay. I wonder. What? What? Let's what's rephrase Peter it. Peter Butberg, big, uh, big movie. I forget. Uh, Friday Night Lights. Oh, Friday Night Lights. That. Yeah, Friday I, I Night Lights. Movie. I can remember which one. Yeah. yeah I believe he also directed. This is. Uh, this was very uh, offbeat comedy. Very bad things about a very disturbing weekend in Las Vegas back in the late 90s but yeah his his I've never seen it but I remember I do remember hearing about it I've never actually seen it I think Peter Berg also did one of those 30 for 30s yes on uh, on Wayne Gretzky and hockey in Los Angeles yeah or something like that. Oh I it was uh, it was uh, Bruce McNair right it was about Bruce McNair and, Bruce and Mc- yeah. McNall, yeah McNall 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 thank you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah, he is. Uh, I think he started out as an actor and then transitioned into a a writer and director. But he's incredibly talented. And I, th- I think he's been seen around here a, a number of times. So we'll see what happens. Okay. There. What happens there? All right. Uh, rest of the draft. And I know that you know people aren't as interested in in rounds two and three, but the team has to be because they have significant holes to fill. Where might they be looking at those couple of picks coming on the next couple of days of this draft after next Thursday? Corner, corner, and corner. That's, that's what, I mean, to me, that's the biggest need uh, besides, uh, besides quarterback. Then I think they've got, they got to find a right guard somewhere, uh, preferably, uh, a guy um, uh, was it Latorrance something or I forget his, his name. I read about him the other day. Um, yeah, I'm like everybody else. I read all the mock drafts. I, I don't know what that's <laughs> out of there, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I think they need a right guard. They need a couple of uh, guys in the secondary. And look, you know, you're going to get yourself a new quarterback. You might as well get him some toys. And I'd like to. This is I heard Ballard say this is a real good draft for tight ends. I think they need to go get themselves a tight end and catch football. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. They have a lot of holes to fill. I would still say wide receiver uh, because I always yeah. say oh, that. Um, corner, certainly, you're right about that, which is supposed to be a pretty deep position in this draft, so we'll see how they handle that. They they have hope. Now, is there belief? I'm sure there's belief there, but certainly at this point it's more hope than it is belief that Bernard Ryman's going to be that solution to left tackle. Do you have a similar belief, or is yours hope yeah. or wonder? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, he. Uh, I, I don't think those PFF grades are the uh, beginning and end of everything. I mean, they're not the uh, the be all of uh, uh, you know making making these kinds of decisions. But the, he he graded out really well the second half of the year. And I thought, you know, look, he gave up some sacks at some really inopportune moments late in tight games. And you can't do that, and he knows that. But uh, he played much better, I thought, the last third to the last half of the season. So uh, I think they look at him as a project who's who they need to give some time, and I think he's going to make a big jump uh, heading into his second year. All right, what are they going to do a right guard? Got any uh, feel for that yet? Draft or free agency, they got to do something. I mean, right now – there's nobody there. Like I said, that one kid. Like I, Will Fry. Will Fry. You're talking about o- Osiris Torrance, I think, is the kid out of Florida yeah, you're Osiris referencing. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's whose name I was mangling completely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Now, if you ask me about his uh, sleeve size, I have no idea. But right. that's, a, that's a name I see. So, um, no, so somebody like that. I mean, they, they need to – bolster that offensive line certainly at the right guard spot but i i think well i'll tell you what I, i'd be really disappointed if they didn't come out of here with some uh cornerbacks yeah yeah you're gonna have to gonna have to and you're still gonna have to find some bodies out there that probably aren't presently on the team so i had deforest buckner on yesterday and he wants nothing with the word rebuild and that's okay but this is what you would want to call a a reboot, and they're very similar. That's exactly what he and his teammates are going through right now, correct? Yeah, I mean, look, you got a rookie quarterback, and unless he's Dan freaking Marino, you're you know, it's just not going to happen for you. I mean, uh, rookie quarterbacks are going to take their lumps. Peyton Manning, his Colts for three and thirteen his rookie year, I believe he threw. 28 interceptions. Uh, I know he set the record for uh, interceptions thrown by a rookie, and he's desperate for somebody to break it and let him off the hook. So, uh, yeah, I, it's going to be it's going to be a climb back. Now, in the NFL, you can turn things around pretty quickly. I think if they're well coached, um, if the offensive line can get itself in gear, uh, you get Jonathan Taylor back. Uh, playing at the level he played at two years ago, they could be very competitive. I could see them being uh, a team that comes close to 500, but it's going to take some time. It, it just is. And I just hope that whoever they pick, and, and this would not apply to Richardson, but you would hope that Levis would be ready early, if not immediately. He seems to think he'll be ready immediately. But that's just the kind of the way uh, he seems to think, or at least that's the sense I get. He's a he, he's a, he's 
very confident. Let's put it that way. Don't you shorten your list with that in mind and consider Richardson and even probably unfairly so because he's 24 years old. He's older, but he's coming back from an injury. You have to consider Hendon Hooker in that same fashion, considering how long it's probably going to take him to come back too, right? It's, they're going for a quarterback at four, and it ain't going to be Hendon Hooker. They're not moving back. They're not going to play any games. I think I think it's going to come down, you know, I mean, uh, assuming Houston goes quarterback at two, and that's that's the way I'm leaning, I think it's, it's Lavis or Richardson. I think it's going to be Lavis. But, you know, we're, we're all guessing. Let's, yeah. let's be perfectly honest about it. We're all guessing, you know, uh, you know, I, I – Preferably, they get a guy who can start right away. I like Gardner Minshew as a player. Uh, I think he'd be a terrific backup or even a bridge quarterback for a short period of time. But, man, I don't want to go through a whole year of Gardner Minshew. I really don't. Let's, let's see what this kid can do, whoever so, he is. So, Bob Kravitz with us. Before I let you go, you had a column a couple of days ago regarding Zach Eady and his Purdue decision, whether he goes pro Stays in West Lafayette, he's going to be amply compensated. So it's all good, correct? Yeah, I mean, I just don't see how he can make a bad decision at this point. You know, if he stays in West Lafayette, you get to play for some of the greatest fans in the country. You're going to play on a team that's going to be really, really good. Um, you know, and if you go pro, you're and, and you're going to make NIL money if you stay at Purdue. If you go uh, to the pros, look, you're going to be a second-round pick. There's no guaranteed cash as a second-round pick, generally speaking, at least where we expect he's going to go, which would be middle to late second round. So, you know, I, again, I, I think I think he's pretty well situated. And that's the one nice thing about NIL is kids are going to be less likely to make a foolish, financially-driven decision Um you know, and and go into the draft when they're not ready. And, I mean, we're still seeing that. You know, I keep hearing about this kid Livingston from uh, Kentucky who's thinking about coming out. He's, he's not a first-round pick. He may not even be a pick. So, you know, you hope that kids will make more informed decisions, and, you know, based on knowing that there's money to be had at the college level. Well, and you look at IU. I mean, they got one, actually two, in the tra- out of the transfer portal. But a lot of IU folks looking at what they have missed to this point. Still, I guess a lot of work for Mike Woodson and company in Bloomington to to satisfy those losses that they're going to be going yeah. through in this transition off season. Early, early in the process. I wouldn't. I mean, look, you know, these guys aren't going to be out there forever. They need to get something done here in relatively short order. But I wouldn't panic just yet. Uh, I don't know the first thing about Kalel Ware. um, But, you know, uh, he's got size. He's 7'1". That's a good thing, right? Yeah. 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 He started out great. Didn't finish so great. Needed a change of scenery. And um, (laughs) I think about this. I I think about this from – from you know Trace Jackson Davis and and what he meant and what he put up, realistically, good luck trying to find that all of it. Right. Good luck. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I, I hate to put it that way, but that's just the way that it is. Right. I think Malik Renu is going to be a really nice player for them now. 
I really do. I think he's going to be a nice player. He's not going to be traits, but I, I think he's going to be more than serviceable. But, you know, they got to get themselves some wings, some guards, some shooters. Other than that, they're, they're in great shape. <laughs> Schmup Kravitz <laughs> of the Atlantic on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group Potline, who's going to be on vacation. When Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe invade Nashville, Indiana at the awesome Brown County Music Center. That's very unfortunate. Actually, I'm going to some award ceremony out in North Carolina for something. And I win. Oh, so yeah, you won. You were Sports Writer I, of the I Year. So infrequently, I figured, yeah, I might as well go and have a couple of free cocktails, right? So I'm going to go out to North Carolina somewhere. Winston-Salem, Greensboro. I don't know where the hell I, I'm going. I actually, but, I, I did in 2020. I got that honor here, and I did not go. Um, and I, I was thrilled. I, I don't really go to stuff like this, but I was thrilled to get it, and it was ironic that I got it in a year in which about four or five months there were zero sports. It just made sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just yeah, makes well, sense. You had, a B, you had a BS your way through the pandemic. So. Oh, my goodness. And I BS'd I BS like nobody's business for like five months. Oh. It was amazing. You should, you should have been on some of the calls at, at The Athletic, and I'm sure this was happening all over the country with, with, you know, with newspapers and websites. Basically, how what are we going to write? You know, <laughs> and then we had these idiots saying, you people in the media – you wanted you wanted everybody to shut down because of COVID. Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. How about no baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer? How about no sports? To, you know, for for a sports website, that sounds like a great idea. The the ah, Korean God. baseball league, as we were watching that about oh, three yes, years ago at this time. Baseball. Yes, yes. That was that was great fun. Man, Those oh the man. Days. it was during the <laughs> pandemic. Well, congratulations on that, and uh, I'll be enjoying Elvis Costello and Nick Lowe in Brown County. Oh man, I'm jealous. <laughs> All right, well give me give me give me give me some tickets to to Pearl Jam. Yeah. I'll be forever. Yeah, well I'm telling you, if I can do if I can swing that, it will be amazing. There's no doubt because that's All going right. to be one of the toughest tickets in a while around here. I, I I would bet. I would bet. Well, I appreciate the effort, my friend. You got it, buddy. Thanks, Bob. Be well. It's uh, Bob Bye. Kravitz of the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. In in terms of, this would be a great one for. Is Steve Girardi listening out there anywhere right now? In terms of tough tickets, in the past handful of years, maybe up to ten, maybe a little bit more, if you want to go that far back. What has been the toughest ticket around here? Because my expectation is Pearl Jam coming up in September. By the way, Josh told me that September the 10th, I believe that's the date. For some reason, I thought it was on a Saturday night. Josh says September the 10th is on a Sunday. I'd have to check this. But Pearl Jam does not often come around here. They are secured for a September date at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. But in terms of tough tickets, what have been the toughest tickets, let's just say, in the past 10 years around here? Because I think this is going to be at the top of that list. Quick break. We're back. We got Anything Goes coming up at the top of the hour. Bob Lovell, Mike Wells, Bob Kravitz, podcast 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live on a Friday with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 
the ride. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With JMV. Can I talk to Dana? There is no Dana, only Zool. What a lovely singing voice you must have. Now, I'm going to count to three, Zooli, and if I don't get to talk to Dana, there's going to be some real trouble in this apartment, I think. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Cubs 13-0 over the Dodgers today. Drew Smiley was the story. Goes into the eighth inning with a perfect game. And uh, the only hit he allowed was a dribbler third base side that he went to make a play on. He left-handed, so he had a chance. This is going to be a tough play. But he had a chance. He had a chance until his catcher, Jan Gomes, ran over him (laughs) when he was trying to make the play. And that is how he lost the perfect game in the eighth inning. And uh, I'm glad that it wasn't Tucker Barnhart in that one. Now, again, it was going to be tough. Probably would not have. I think it was Peralta that we had talked about that actually made contact. Uh, It was going to be tough. But all in all, a very good afternoon for the Cubs. 13-0 over the Dodgers. And that was the lone hit for the Dodgers in that game. Reds Pirates later on tonight from PNC in Pittsburgh. That is a 635 start. White Sox and Rays from Tampa tonight at 640. Cardinals and Mariners, Seattle's a late one tonight. And that uh, is underway at 1010 this evening for you stinking Cardinal fans out there. Which I'm assuming so far at 8 and 11. And look. You know, you say they're eight and eleven. I'm not going to sit here and talk any junk because obviously my team stinks. But you watch the Cardinals always catch fire late. It's always what they do. So I do recognize that. Frank asked this, JMV, are you going to be boozing it up tomorrow at Death and Taxes down at Taxman? I know that that has taken place. I used to have a really good end. My man Brian Fisk was a part of that. He's no longer a part of that. So I don't know. Tomorrow, the weather is not going to be great. It will be packed, though, Frank. Well, how many years they've been doing death and taxes at Taxman Brewing? It's in Bargersville. Always a great time. But that's a good question. Normally, when I answer a question like that, saying, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do that or not, means I'm probably not going to do it. But it is always fun. Death and taxes, tax money in Bargersville tomorrow. And again, you get these weird weekends in April. Last Saturday was glorious. Sunday was a disaster. And then the uh, week leading up to this has been really nice, at least midway through until yesterday. And now we start the weekend. Also a little five weekend in Bloomington. Uh, well, stinks. Just the way that it is in April around here. Hey, JMV, Levis is the last person I want if the Colts get him. I'd want Ballard gone right after the draft. Anybody else feel that way? You think we see pitchforks and 
picket signs outside of West 56th Street? I think you may get that regardless from some. Because there's zero goodwill built by the general manager and this team. And what I mean by that is there's just not a great deal of hope right now. And there is not that so-called transformational, absolute, going to make your team great, available quarterback. Honestly, Bryce Young would be as close to that as anybody in this draft. But there's just not that. There's not that absolute. There's not that Andrew Luck absolute. Or uh, Joe Burrow. There's not that absolute. This is going to work. This is what's going to happen. There's not that. There's not automatically going to be excitement. Meaning most will be critical regardless of what they do until they rebuild that goodwill that has been lost on this organization here locally for a while. And that's going to be up to them. That is certainly not happening right now. JMV, did you see this this morning? The team that needs to move up in the NFL draft would be the Colts. Trade with the Texans, so you can draft C.J. Stroud. That was from Tim Hasselbeck. Yeah, I'm sure the Texans are really going to do that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Who the hell would say that? That's like the last thing in the world that's going to happen. Kind of like when the Colts called them about Deshaun Watson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably especially mad because the Colts were so terrible in that final game. That's why they're in this situation anyway. Getting that final win. Final regular season weekend. That's why they're here. That's why the Bears were able to trade out and Carolina was able to trade up. Otherwise, I, who knows? You know, Maybe the Texans didn't like Bryce Young either. But it seemed like that they did from what you hear. Parting gift from Lovey to end that season. That's just glorious right there. Got to admit, it really is. Tom Pelissero said this, and who knows who this is? Random AFC coordinator. Are you ready, Eddie? Quote, what you're getting in Anthony Richardson. You're getting an extremely talented dude with a Blanking ham cannon. <laughs> An AFC coordinator at Tom Pelissero. Well, you're getting an Anthony Richardson. See, there are going to be people that will be disappointed if it's not him. There are going to be people disappointed if Stroud's available and it's not him, certainly. And there will be people out there, even if what you hear negatively regarding Will Levis, people will also feel the same. There's just not that one ultimate, everybody, for the most part, unanimously chooses this quarterback. Just not that one out there. Quick one, we'll come back. I mentioned top of the hour, we've got a little anything goes if you guys want to jump in. Also, listen up in the next five minutes. Baseball Project. That is the Baseball Project at Deluxe Mural National Center coming up in August. It is headlined by a couple of Rock and Roll Hall of Famers as a part of REM. 
Peter Buck and Mike Mills are part of the baseball project. Again, the Deluxe is where they're going to be playing, the Mirage Old National Center. And that is coming up in the month of August. Your chance to win a pair of tickets to that show. That will be coming up in just a bit. Listen to win. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With JMV. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Well, no sense worrying about it now. Why worry? Each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back. Switch me on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And the Baseball Project. A side group for a couple of Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, a part of REM. Peter Buck, Mike Mills, Baseball Project, Deluxe, Mural Old National Center, August. Number nine at 239-1070 is going to go on me. And a shout-out to Jimi Hendrix. I think Jimmy now is involved with TCU Amphitheater. Daniel is over at the Mirah. And then Kyle still at both Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center and uh, when it's a Live Nation show downtown at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. But that is a fantastic trio to always give you a great opportunity at free tickets each and every week. Now, you guys are asking me this. I, I don't know. I hope so. I have my fingers crossed. You're asking me, are you going to have Pearl Jam tickets to give away? I asked this question a little bit earlier. Anybody out there recollect when there was a hotter ticket? And I guess you can look at it in terms of Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. Or just When was the last time? What was the hottest ticket around here? When was that last? You know, Bob Kravitz was on a little bit earlier, talked about U2 and Beck. I was at that show. That was maybe four or five years ago. September at Lucas Oil Stadium. I don't know how hot the ticket was. I'm just assuming, and this goes back a couple of weeks. I know I was trying to get downtown on a Saturday afternoon, and Luke Combs was playing at Lucas Oil Stadium, and it was absolute chaos. But again, it's a larger venue. Not suggesting the ticket was easy. But Ruoff for Pearl Jam, and given the fact that Pearl Jam, Luke Combs probably comes here all the time. Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam is surprising they got here. So I got to give Kyle and the gang a great deal of credit for reeling that in. That's a hell of a show here, especially when the group rarely makes a stop in Indy for a variety of reasons. Certainly routing, because there are so many different locations. We think about Cincinnati, Chicago. We know Vetter, they're in Chicago every second. They play at Wrigley Field, play at Soldier Field, Detroit, St. Louis. Louisville's got a major play now in it with the Yum Center. Nashville's just absolutely gobbling up everything. So, that's a good get. I just can't remember the last time that I felt that there was a hotter ticket than this one's going to be in September. But since you're asking, I will tell you, got my fingers crossed on Pearl Jam. 
Got my fingers crossed over there, Kyle and Jimmy and the gang at Live Nation. A quick shout-out. This event's happening later on tonight, too. The Chuck Strong Gala is over on West 56 this evening. Chuck was on with the morning show, Kevin and Query, this morning talking about that and a lot more. Uh, Helping out the IU Cancer Center. Always a great event. And I see that friend of the show and the father, Kevin Lee, Jackson Lee, has got his car out there. I say his car, his race car. (laughs) Not Not his 89 Honda Accord, but his race car. Uh, that is out there, and that should be a great event. I know Ron Rivera in town. Um, I think Ray Lewis is here for this event tonight. So that is going on out at the uh, Colts Complex this evening. It was a number of years ago. I was actually out there and kind of led that in. But it's always a great event, and they have raised millions of dollars for cancer research. And that is a job well done. Ben writes this. I wasn't there, but I'm assuming Metallica a few years ago was pretty crazy ticket-wise. Probably right. What about Kiss or Journey? I'm telling you, Kiss in November. Going to be a Gambridge Fieldhouse. That was going to be a tough one, too. I just... Can't remember the last time Kiss was here. It's just so well known that Pearl Jam rarely stops in Indy. Look that up. When's the last time Pearl Jam was here? It has been a number of years ago. Like Josh tweeted at me a little bit earlier saying that he's seen Pearl Jam 20 times, always a different show, always great. I'm assuming most of those 20 times was someplace else, probably a lot in Chicago. Because that is uh, Vetter's hometown, and Vetter is there for Cubs games all the time. I know that Tucker met Eddie Vetter out in spring training with the Cubs a couple of months ago. But rarely are they around here, and I think that that has been a while. True story. Upon just like some brief Google searches, research 91. No. Last time they were in Indianapolis. Now, they've, they've, I will say this. They have been here well prior to that. I was thinking maybe six or seven years. But they do not come around often. And the one thing that I told you post-COVID, post-pandemic, I said everybody is going to be out. And you have seen everybody is going in 900 different directions now. And I mean Everybody. They were in Noblesville in 2010. All right. So the last time where they were here, so they were 13 years ago? The last two, three times they've been to Indiana, they've been in Noblesville. Yeah, that's Ruoff. Yep, so, four times. Yep. So the last time they were here, I mean, in central Indiana was 2010? Uh, central Indiana, if you include Ruoff, yeah, 2010. Huh. Last time they were in Indianapolis was 91. 13 years ago is that what they're saying here. That in 91, was that at uh, MSA in 91, or did they play someplace else down here in 91? Convention was, Center. Well, they played at the Convention Center. I mean, that was 91. That's when they first launched Pearl Jam's iconic album, 10. So that would have been a hell of a show right there. All right, I got time for you. You guys want to jump on board? 
Got a little anything goes. Go NFL draft. We can go Colts. We can go Pacers. We can go Major League Baseball. A little college if you want. We can go anything you want. That's why we call it anything goes. I've got how much time on the clock here, Eddie? Uh, after we get back from break, looks like you have about 16 minutes. 16 minutes of anything goes at 239-1070. Really doesn't matter what you want to talk about. I am open and I am up for it. Anything goes at 239 239- 1070 on the other side and what's going to be the night next door the jamv takeover six until midnight coming up tomorrow night remember this by the way next friday because i am doing a ron collie event on saturday we slide the jamv takeover to friday so i'm going to be in here and then i'm going to go next door to do the jamv takeover next friday night so Mark your calendars. All right. Anything goes at 239-1070 for about 16 minutes. Me and you next. The Ride. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. Just drive fast. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, we got a little Anything Goes to roll into right now. Bob Lovell, Mike Wells, Bob Kravitz podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Monday show, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, and Rick Venturi, both on the show. There's no better way to get off on draft week to a great start on a Monday than have that combination. Monday show, three until six, Daniel Jeremiah and Rick Venturi. So look out for that. Great week, by the way, on the show as well. Thank you all for being a part of it. Thank you all for being out at the main event yesterday with our Tavern Tour stop in the month of April. A shout-out to Lisa, the wife of Brent Halverson, who had a surgical procedure today. Doing well. That's fantastic. So to the Halversons, we're thinking about you. And before we get to anything goes at 239-1070, where we talk about whatever you want to talk about, for the better part of 15 minutes here leading up to the last word coming up at 6.30, Eddie Garrison is a grad of UND. UND has a terrific broadcasting, terrific communications program. I was a part of it for about five minutes. Um, that was unfortunate. <laughs> I think that the person that we're going to talk about retiring today was also there Maybe for a minute when I was there, I can't quite remember, but there has been a very important person that is retiring from UND today that has helped guide so many, including yourself, in that communications program, Eddie. Correct. Yeah. The general manager over at uh, WYCR and Scott Eaker sent out an email to a lot of the alumni today. Um and I don't know if they're going to make this public, but I'm certainly making it public now. He announced his retirement. Uh, he's been at the university for 26 years, and he was at uh, the general manager at UND's radio station since 2002. Um, what, what is UND's radio station? Uh, WYCR. Because I worked on that, too. 
You did? I did, yeah. I did not play. It was They played classical music at times. Yeah, they played jazz right. from uh, noon until midnight and classical right. jazz from midnight to noon. I got, I think I got a couple of different times with um, regular pop music, I think, when I was in there. And then we did, when I was there for one year back in 1990-91, they did, I forget what what building it is they did a television broadcast in a building that was on the south side of hannah avenue it's not like it is today i mean great facilities today back then it was in the basement of some really old building i think it's the church now the building that you're talking about Might possibly be. um but yeah he sent out an email today announced that he's uh retiring in another little uh, connection here. Bob Level um, is not where Bob Level is in terms of Indiana sports talk today because uh, Scott Eaker's idea was Indiana sports talk. He's the one who hired Coach Level. He'll t- he tells that story all the time on the airwaves. I remember my first night here at Emmis uh, was, uh, or formerly Emmis, now Radio 1, uh, was on Indiana sports talk on the anniversary mm-hmm. of the 25th celebration. Scott Eaker told the story then. Uh, it was pretty cool. And I am not here with you today without him because he's the one who connected me uh, with Matt Hiblin and Todd Meyer, ah. uh, our two bosses, on uh, hiring me part time. And the next thing you know, it's about, uh, let's see, four and a half yeah. years here. Scott Eaker has had a great deal of. Uh, effect on many a broadcaster's existence at UND and uh, he will be missed that's uh, congratulations on his retirement yeah but he certainly will be missed because he has meant a great deal I remember going all the way back he used to send out I think AP network sports updates mm-hmm. correct way back when so I'm Scott Eaker AP network sports or whatever that's about when the start of uh Indiana sports talk was because that's I think where it originated from was when he was with AP, I think it was AP News right. at the time or something like that and he had this idea to create a a nightly show on uh, at first it was just Fridays only to put a spotlight on high school sports well you know it was Jeff Smolian who no longer is the owner but still is upstairs on seven in this building is the one that created the genre of sports talk back in 1987 I I don't remember listening to sports talk until. I and it was ninety ninety one on my way home. I would listen to Mark Patrick on sports, the original Mark Patrick on sports um, at WNDE. That was the first local sports talk I ever heard, and the first real national sports talk I ever listened to. When I would be out late at night, sometimes um, my wife lived down in Evansville at the time. I'd be driving back and forth late at night. And I would listen to Pharrell on the bench. Scott Pharrell and Pharrell on the bench would be doing his overnight or at the very least late night show. And Scott Pharrell got his starts where I got one of my starts at Bloomington's B97. And I remember Scott Pharrell doing updates along with Joe Smith course worked so many years did a great job with don fisher at iu for everything including basketball and football but joe smith was the sports director at b97 and scott farrell was an iu student and i think working his first job was at b97 and scott farrell on the bench was the first national sports talk show i ever listened to back in the 1990s that would have been late at night but again doubling back to scott eaker congratulations on a fantastic career Career and molding so many down at the University of Indianapolis. All right, 239 1070. We got a little anything goes. We'll dive into it. Line one, who's this? 
Hey, uh, JV, it's uh, Kent. Hello, Kent. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing all right. And I uh, want to let you know that the uh, this coming Sunday's Indiana State uh, you know, game is going to be televised on ESPNU because I'm part of the crew. Now, did you do the IU uh, Louisville game? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was that was great. I thought that that was so well done. You and your crew do a great job. It's Indiana State and who on Southern Sunday? Illinois. Oh man, yeah, Indiana State's riding high right now, playing yes, great they baseball. Are. I saw they they've uh, you said eleven straight, I think, or something I, like that. Uh, four. I thought maybe it was fourteen. I could be wrong, but the last time we checked in on them, they upset number four Vanderbilt. So yeah. they are on a roll. So what time do you guys throw the first pitch and broadcast that on ESPNU on Sunday? Game will be at three o'clock. Uh, I got to be there at seven in the morning, but <laughs> it is going to be freaking cold. But yes, it will. <laughs> but. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to doing it too. So uh, should be a lot of fun, and I guess it's supposed to be some sort of special day down there too for kids or something. So, nah, outstanding. It's and and Indiana State has been playing fantastically, and I I actually watched some of IU and Louisville yeah. early in the week. That was yeah, that was they, well done. That was they went through like eight. Louisville went through like eight pitchers, which was <laughs> kind of unbelievable considering how well they're supposed to be, so or how good they're supposed to be. So. Indiana State and Southern Illinois, ESPNU, with our guy Kent right here is going to be a part of that broadcast coming up on Sunday afternoon. We'll be watching. All right, thank you, my brother. Appreciate that. Anything goes. Indiana State baseball, man. Indiana State. See, normally on this weekend, I'd be at IU for a little five when I was at Indiana State in college. And then everybody would miss me because that means I wouldn't be throwing my normal incredible party. How was um, When I was at UND, there was not a lot of on-campus life going on. There's more now than there was, but there was hardly any back then. I don't think, yeah, there's no fraternities or sororities on campus. Yeah. And Indiana State, well, I mean, you had dorky fraternities. Not all, some. Some of you dorks know what I'm talking about. They they had to get me because, you know, I would DJ up a party or have a party. And, you know, some of those frats over there, like the Pikes, that's the only way they'd get any girls to come to their parties. Otherwise, it'd be a big Boy Scout meeting with the Pikes over there punching each other in the arm and drinking Bushlight Draft. It doesn't sound like a party to me. That's how the, hey, can you come and DJ this party? Because we need some chicks to show up. Sure. Sure, Pikes. Anything goes, line two, you're on the air. Who's this? Uh, this is Jake. Uh, how you doing, JMD? Jake, I'm fantastic. What's up, buddy? Uh, I was going to talk about Darius Leonard, uh, but uh, I'm a good friend of uh, Scott Eakers, though. I graduated from UND, and I guess we'll talk about him instead. Yeah, go so, ahead. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Scott. Uh, that guy is, was a mentor to me. I graduated in the communications department there and. 2000, I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. But what a great guy. Uh, you know, I, I'm good friends with Skyler Wood over there with you guys. Love Skyler uh, Wood. We love him. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my best buddies. So, I mean, we, we, we both, you know, learned under him. And he's just a great guy, great mentor. I was going through a tough time in school because I had a sick dad. And he was always there to just be a good guy and be a friend. And I actually talked to him about a year ago about helping me find a job and he was. He just wanted to help me. He's just a great guy, and uh, good for him. I'm. I'm yes. glad he's retiring, and I just hope the best for him. And yeah, that's awesome, man. That so, is outstanding. Well done yeah. out of you yeah. with that too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, shout out to Scott Eaker. You wanted to bring up Shaquille Leonard too. Yeah, I'm just concerned that he's that he's 
I feel like he's going to be hurt still. Yeah, you should season. be. And, yeah, me too. Uh, me yeah. too. And uh, I, I'm excited about EJ Speed and Zare Franklin and everything, but I was wondering if you had any thoughts on maybe the Colts looking at a linebacker like in, I don't know, the mid-rounds possibly or even the second round. So I uh, just want to hear your thoughts yeah. on that. Have a great That's weekend. Thank you very much. Those are kind words regarding Scott Eaker and his retirement as well. And I have similar thoughts. And I will say this, that the Colts have similar thoughts or have doubts. What you see in this draft could be interpreted about how they feel about this. And I go all the way back to the combine because Chris Ballard was with me. And one of my questions was regarding Shaquille Leonard. And if you guys remember his answer, it was, I wouldn't bet against him. And while you go, okay. It really didn't suggest to you a great deal of trust or confidence that Shaquille Leonard was going to be back. And I think I framed up the question of, is he going to be what he was, you know, prior to, you know, the injuries and the the operations? Is he going to be anywhere near? And a lot of you are kind of making now, I think, the connection that well, this is going to be like Andrew Luck was. But what he said a couple of days ago in front of the media, it certainly did not have a lot of people boiling over with confidence. Now, again, most around here are completely gun shy in terms of injury stuff. You just automatically expect the worst here. And I don't blame you. I do not blame you. Because you've been through it so much, and most of the time, especially with the major players, the important players, it has been the worst-case scenario. That's what you feel right now, and there wasn't a great deal of confidence that that you have him getting back to what he once was, or what even more so you expected him to be. That is unfortunate. That's the same feel I got back in February when I asked Chris Ballard a similar question about that. Hope for the best, but as far as trusting that it's going to work out okay, you've been down the path where it hasn't way too many times. 239-1070. Anything goes, it's line three. You're on the air. Who's this? Just BTR. BTR, what is going on? Well, it's coming from the uh, seed-selling city of Sheridan. What's going on up in Hamilton County, northern Hamilton County? Yes, sir. Uh, Got the field tilled, and I just want to give a shout-out to loyal listeners Walter, Dave, and myself. And I'm proud of your Indiana State. How many? Well, thank you very much. How many acres, BTR, did you get done? Uh, I don't, personally. Okay. How many acres do do they do? Oh, thousands. Yeah. Yeah, I had that, like where I live, where I live, um, uh, Steve Duke, for example, the Duke family do a lot of the farming down by me, and they've been out there when it's been dry, prior to now it raining again, when it was dry and warm, they've been out working too. I live by probably less than a half a mile from the uh, Sheridan Biddle Airport. 
And I want to give a shout out to my dad. He doesn't live here anymore. He lives down in Birdstown, Tennessee. Yeah. He taught Derek Daly how to fly a plane. Huh. Back now, now did your father crop dust? No, he he just no 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 no. I don't want everybody giggling about the question I just asked. <laughs> but no, <laughs> I know everybody out there BTRs exactly. laughing. Well, of course, everybody's father crop dust. But no, I do that every now and then. To because I'm I'm assuming that airport you're talking about up there probably has some some personal plane crop dusters parked in there, right? Uh, yeah, actually, there's a helicopter that does it now. Oh yeah, yes, there's there was one around my house. That was uh, was spraying the fields back during the end of the summer last year. Yep. But yeah, yeah, I just that was uh, oh my god, back in the early nineties or no late eighties. And uh, as a prize, I took spring break as a junior in high school. Uh, uh, we did infield out of Phoenix. Yep. Raceway with Derek Daly. Hmm. What's well done? Well, that's when the Phoenix International Raceway was yes. uh, in, just an infield and pits. That is not that's not Avondale where it is now, though, right? Um, or is it? Yes, maybe it is. It might be. So, hey, well, BT, BTR, I I got to run. I got to run. Thank you for the call and have a great weekend up in Sheridan, buddy. I love you guys. Right back at you, BTR two three nine ten seventy. It's anything goes. Who's this? Hey, this is Craig. How you doing? Go ahead. Hey, long time, first time. Glad to hear from you. Um, I just wanted to give out a quick message to all the Colts fans. Do not buy into the hype right now with the release of the uh, with the first pick series that they're going on last year. Right. They hyped, they hyped you up and they hyped you up and they let you down on the field. Make sure they put out a product on the field first that you can cheer for before you buy into the hype. And Don't, that's all I got. Thank you, you got for taking my call. Thank you very much. Don't believe the hype, he says. Eddie Garrison, everybody, in here for James. James was downstairs with, I think, Hammer and Nigel because Sam was out sick. But Eddie did noon until 3, 3 until 6, and he's got to do Indiana Sports Talk later on tonight. Job well done, brother. Appreciate that. Thank you very it's much, always Bob. fun. Bob Lovell, Mike Wells, Bob Kravitz. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. Jamby takeover tomorrow night. It is going to be a blast, 6 until midnight. Daniel Jeremiah, Rick Venturi, Monday, draft week. Don't miss it.